You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back again to a new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates about The Mandalorian, The High Republic, and a whole slew of other new and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe that we're going to be talking about tonight. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? I was just thinking, Kyle, that your intro is going to be a lot longer after tonight's episode it is and you know what (laughs) i'm excited (laughs) because it used to be you know i'd say like episode seven eight nine like we had the whole sequel trilogy to look forward to and lately it's just been like yeah the mandalorian and whatever else is coming next i guess but now we know what's coming next and boy is it a lot yep it's a good feeling yeah definitely it's um it's pretty weird not gonna lie, this is a this is a first time I think thing for all Star Wars fans as far as far as getting this many at one time. And yeah. I, I think I think we all agree that the announcement of the sequel trilogy and the announcement of the uh, independent you know or independent films, the you know side films or whatever was just you know it probably I mean I guess I probably would be still be bigger than this just because we never you know no one expected this to happen out of nowhere whereas this we kind of knew this was expected but the one difference between this is this is just a you know a couple years of and there's probably way more in the pipeline and not only that but these aren't just films these are tv series and films and there's like 10 things it's just it's it honestly is like mind blowing. I don't even want I'm not even trying to like be like cute about it. It's like no, it's mind blowing how much we got cuz the Marvel side is just as much and it's crazy. And it's just like I it uh, yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah, I'll no it, it, it is it I'm is kind of hard to wrap your mind around all this Star Wars content we're going to be getting over the next few years. Um and it's funny cuz we we just recorded our last episode less than a week ago. Um, talking about the last couple episodes of The Mandalorian. We just finished watching tonight's episode of The Mandalorian, and we're not even going to cover that right now. Um, All I will say about that is that if Boba Fett keeps dropping more seismic charges, I might eventually look back on 2020 and think overall it was a good year. Um, (laughs) But aside from... music to my ears. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. But aside from that, um, and of course, we'll talk about all about that in another week or so after we've seen the the season finale and wrap up the last couple episodes. But um, 
Yeah, it's funny. On our, our like last time we recorded, we thought there still wasn't going to be much to talk about for the rest of this year, except the last couple episodes of The Mandalorian. And then there was word going around that you know Disney was having this investor day, uh, which was yesterday. We're recording this Friday night, so this was just uh, Thursday. They had this big investor presentation, and. You know, Disney has these investor calls, you know, I think several times a year, like, you know, quarterly or whatever. And occasionally there's, you know, maybe some Star Wars news or an announcement of a project or something that comes out of that. But a lot of times people kind of get their hopes up and then there's not really much or it's maybe a small piece of news or some some vague stuff about the future of Disney Plus or whatever. Um, but a couple days before this thing happened, there started being some some reports and some rumors that they were about to announce a big expansion of the Star Wars universe. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I still was trying not to get my hopes up. I was like, okay, so we'll probably get the announcement of like an Ahsoka series and a Boba Fett series because we've heard some of that stuff rumored. And then, you know, maybe like I'm sure they're working on more than that, but maybe we'll get an announcement, uh, you know, one or two other announcements. Um, and then so Thursday rolls around, this investor presentation starts and uh, they announced at the beginning that over the next several years, they're going to be releasing uh, like 10 new Star Wars series on Disney+. And I remember I was texting with you guys and I was like, man, they just announced that they're working on 10 Star Wars projects. I doubt they're going to actually announce and talk about all 10 of those today. But if they do, we're going to have to drop everything and record a new episode this weekend. And uh, here we are. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to go through and to start off, I'm just going to kind of summarize this press release that's on StarWars.com and just list off all the new projects that they announced yesterday. And then we'll go back from the top and talk about them one by one. Uh, go over the details they announced for them, talk about which ones we're looking forward to, which ones we're excited about, and all that good stuff. Um, so starting off with the films here, the next theatrical Star Wars film uh, is going to be coming in Christmas, December 23, and it's going to be a Rogue Squadron film from Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman. Uh, they also talked a little bit about uh, Taika Waititi's film. Um, no title or details or anything on that, um, except that he's still working on a Star Wars movie. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy talked about, you know, his unique approach and his sense of humor and how that's going to be a really fun and interesting one. Uh, they talked about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and the biggest announcement there is the uh, official confirmation that Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader. Uh, yes. <laughs> we, we did get announcement of an Ahsoka series, as well as a series called Rangers of the New Republic. Those are both going to be live action shows uh, set within the same time frame as The Mandalorian. And I believe they're all going to uh, end up connecting with one kind of big climactic story at the end. Uh, then there's going to be a Lando spinoff series. Uh, they talked about the Cassian Andor series and showed like a behind the scenes uh, sizzle reel for that. They announced a new series called The Acolyte, which is the series that Leslie Headland is working on, and that one's going to take place during the High Republic. Uh, they showed a, a new sizzle reel trailer, whatever you want to call it, a bunch of amazing-looking new footage for the Bad Batch series. Um, and then they announced a, a series called Star Wars Visions that's going to be a series of uh, like anime-inspired like animated short films. 
and then uh, something called a droid story that I guess they said it's going to be a collaboration between Lucasfilm Animation and ILM. Um, and is going to be uh, a story about a new hero who teams up with R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, and then in addition to that, they also talked about like the Willow series that's coming to Disney Plus and Indiana Jones 5. Um, so Lucasfilm has got a ton of stuff going on right now. But of course, we're mostly just going to focus on the Star Wars stuff. So let's take it from the top. Um, and what were you guys' initial thoughts on the announcement of Patty Jenkins directing a Rogue Squadron movie? Man, just first off, kind of my reaction to the whole day in general, because I was at work when all this was going down and my phone kept vibrating and vibrating. And I was seeing all these messages, tweets a lot from you guys. I was like, oh, man, something big's going down. <laughs> and then I just couldn't wait to dive into all of it. Once I got off work, sat in my truck for a few minutes and just was kind of seeing everything. Like, oh, wow, this kind of this, what, that? <laughs> I'm like, wow, just kind of my brain was on overload. But Starting with Patty Jenkins directing Rogue, a Rogue Squadron movie. I almost said Rogue One, <laughs> but that has me really excited. Definitely a shock, but something I cannot wait to see. And really glad that it is the next theatrical Star Wars film release set for 2023. Uh, this is going to be really cool. I loved Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 1984 looks fantastic. We'll be seeing that in a couple of weeks, which should be awesome. And just the fact that. We're now going to get Patty Jenkins in the Star Wars universe is just really exciting. And the fact that it's going to be a Rogue Squadron movie. And I just love uh, the short video she put out. I think she sent a tweet that had her kind of, when she was uh, roller skating or rollerblading down this uh, runway and just talking about her father being a fighter pilot and how um, once uh, she lost her father um, in service to in the Army. And she was saying how that kind of motivated her to really want her to make a film that is the greatest fighter pilot, uh, fighter plane movie ever, but she never found the right story until now. And then you see her put on an X-Wing helmet, X-Wing jump flight suit. It was just really cool. So just knowing that this yeah, is coming from incredible. a place of real passion for her and wanting to tell the story, something she's wanted to tell for almost her whole life. And now she's going to do it set in the Star Wars universe is has me really excited about it. And I think this is going to be, Something really, really cool. And just that, that name Rogue Squadron, I mean, it's something that's so that fans are longtime fans are just so familiar with and are used to from the original trilogy, obviously, first hearing it in Dire Strikes Back and the novels games. So just the fact that that name is living on into a new era, too. That's what really surprised me as well about this announcement. Because when I first saw it, oh, it's going to be set during the original trilogy, and maybe we're going to see. Um, a young wedge and other uh, X-Wing pilots and rebel pilots that we've seen in the original trilogy, just younger versions of them and maybe getting uh, their feet off the ground as new pilots and this new squadron. But it's in fact going to be something different. It's going to be set um, after the sequel trilogy, it sounds like, and a new generation that's going to have to live up to that rogue squadron name, which I think has the potential for some cool story possibilities too. So just everything about this announcement was great. Wasn't expecting it, but boy, does it have me excited for the next theatrical Star Wars release. I can't wait. So, so wait, this is actually officially after the sequel trilogy or during the sequel trilogy? It's not officially after, but it says here in the press release, it says the story will introduce a new generation of Starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary-pushing high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future era of the galaxy. So 
and that, that was kind of the feeling I got from it too, Tim. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be set around the time of, of the sequel trilogy, if it's going to kind of be just the next story that takes place after, or if this could be way in the future. Um, but it does sound like this is going to be kind of the first story in whatever new era they're moving into post-sequel trilogy. I'm kind of hoping it is that it is post-sequel trilogy, just so we can have something a little different than just seeing X-Wings taking down TIE Fighters. Like, I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. it's not remnants of the First Order, kind of like we've been seeing with remnants of the Empire, uh, where they're still yeah. trying to take him down. Let's just get something different as far as who the antagonists and the enemies are going to be facing, if this is the case. And at the same time, it's going to be kind of weird to have a, rogue, a, a movie called Rogue Squadron that doesn't have X-Wings. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, and, I mean, I, I, yeah, do I didn't think mean there's... no X Wings. Of course, it's going to be X Wings. It's in the logo. I just meant Tie Fighters. And well, right, right, right. Yeah, and honestly, if it's if it's an X Wing squadron fighting some other kind of enemy that's not Tie Fighters, I'd be cool with that too. I do think though, like there is a possibility just with the way this is worded. I mean, I, I, I do. I would assume when it says into the future era of the galaxy, it's probably talking about a a future era post sequel trilogy but it could also just refer to like a new era of stories that they're telling after being done with the sequel trilogy but maybe not necessarily referring to the timeline um so this could still take place during the rebellion era but it also is talking about introducing a whole new generation of fighter pilots and so i don't think the movie is just going to be about you know luke and wedge and all those guys so right i'm thinking it probably will be new characters in a new time period i I I think it's almost worded that way to be ambiguous on purpose, not only because they don't, they don't want to reveal everything at once, but I don't know if they know where this is going to fit exactly. I don't, you know what I mean? Like that's the way I, you know, I interpret what you guys said here or what it says a little bit differently because, you know, I guess for me is if you're going to go post rise of Skywalker it's good. I mean, you have to have a plan and I'm not trying to be, you know, funny here. I'm just being serious. I don't know if it's the right time to get a plan at this point, to be quite honest. And with a name like rogue squadron that wasn't even involved in the resistance. I mean, you got to kind of think like if it wasn't really used there, which I don't think it was, was it? Cause Poe didn't. He had, no, it wasn't. Blue. Yeah. That was yeah, so, black squadron. Yeah. Black squadron. I almost said blue squadron. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't think my money's on. It's not going to be, I think it's going to be post return of the Jedi, but maybe because it would make more sense that way, because that way they're, you know, they're, or at least something around there. It, it, that's, that's where I, I would think it would be, but either way, I, I, I think what's, what's cool about this is if you're not reading the comic books or haven't been reading the comics and, and that's obviously, obviously goes for you, Kyle, cause you don't read. Um, but, uh, so sorry, I had to get a I had to get a Kyle not reading uh, jab in there. Uh, Dora, there's the last Jedi one coming still too. Oh, I'm uh, sure there is. No, no, no. In all seriousness, if you're not reading the comic books, it was an, or no, you know, follow up on the stuff. Uh, it was confirmed that the Rogue Squadron took their name from Rogue One in the canon, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really cool. And I know that that's something that they could definitely play on and this could not i don't think it's going to be a sequel obviously but it could play on a loose sequel to rogue one in a way and i i kind of like that and i think and to be quite honest i think rogue one is a big reason why we're probably getting this movie 
movie, maybe probably because Patty Jenkins saw Rogue One and was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, we could we, do a whole movie about this, this, you know? And I think that, or as far as, you know, the, the, the very end battle, which was a phenomenal, you know, that battle probably holds up as one of the maybe arguably the best in Star Wars history, um, you know? And for me, it's, I, I think that there's a lot to go off of of this uh I'll, I'll tell you my reaction for this uh first of all i was at work like tim and people like started texting me like dude are you seeing this and i'm like what's going on i ki- i checked twitter and everyone's like wigging out and i can't keep up with everything and someone no. <laughs> texted yeah someone texted me patty jenkins i thought was on a skateboard i'm like what the hell am i watching this for uh <laughs> you know nothing against patty jenkins i love wonder woman and i can't wait to see uh wonder woman 84 but I'm like, I don't really care about her skateboarding. Is this like it's supposed to be a joke? Would she fall down? Like, a, you know, I don't know. I just didn't watch it. And then I find out, wait, Patty Jenkins is directing a Star Wars movie? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And, I'm, and then I watched the video and I'm like, oh, man, that's pretty like, oof, hits you in the feels. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was really cool. I, I immediately think of, to be quite honest, is this something that she came up with by herself? Or is this something that's, you know, or is this some, an idea she's been kicking around kind of like a John Favreau for a while and then gets asked like, hey, are you interested in Star Wars? And he's like, yeah. Or she's like, yeah, let's do this. You know, I don't I'm immediately I mean, obviously, I watched the movie, but I'm immediately uh, fascinated by how this all came together, considering she's so tied to DC Warner Brothers. And the fact that um, she's doing the next literally the next movie is like, whoa. Okay, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I'm not involved as involved or as knowledgeable, uh, and maybe Tim can help me out here, uh, in with uh, the DC stuff as much as the Marvel and Star Wars, obviously. But my, my assumption was that Patty Jenkins was pretty heavily involved in the Wonder Woman and DC stuff. And I'm not sure how involved in the writing process she was in those uh, Wonder Woman films necessarily. And I'm curious... How much was she involved in that? I'm not even looking. I can look it up on IMDb, but you know, obviously, you don't have to be a writer to be heavily involved in the creative process. Uh, Tim, can you tell us like how involved was Patty Jenkins? Do you know? I'm assuming you have a little bit better than all of us. Yeah, I know she's definitely involved with the story development process of both Wonder Woman films. I don't. I'm not. I'm pretty sure she doesn't get a screenplay credit on the first one and i'm not sure about the next one though but even like you said that doesn't really necessarily mean you're not involved with the story at all and i really or i know for a fact that she was involved with the development of the stories for both films and but for the future after 1984 as far as making a third one or just being involved in the dc universe she kind of left that open-ended saying um she's kind of has ideas for a third wonder woman woman if I can say it, a third Wonder Woman movie, but not necessarily that's going to be next on her list of projects that she's going to be doing once 1984 comes out. So kind of makes me look back at kind of those comments now and thinking where this was maybe in the early stages of being finalized or that um, this was going to happen where our next project was going to be a Star Wars movie. And that's why she was kind of saying that Wonder Woman, the third one, is not going to be her next project, but somewhere down the line where she has a story that she wants to tell to finish um, this trilogy for Wonder Woman that she started. So I think eventually uh, she'll return and finish or do another Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman movie. But um, it kind of made me think where 
it wasn't a huge surprise to me that she wasn't going to be doing one another Wonder Woman movie, but just the fact, or I should say a Wonder Woman movie right after the next one, but the fact that it's her next project is a Star Wars movie is what's really uh, surprising because I didn't think right. um, that was going to be the case because I was wondering maybe she would go into another DC property or project. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely glad to have her in both franchises. So no, right? Yeah. Definitely. Well, and and I think in in my closing, I I'm really excited. I I'd be very surprised if this takes place after Rise of Skywalker. I'm not saying I'd be like anti it. I'd just be very very surprised if it is. But if it is, then I I really hope they they are starting to get plans um, in order for those sequel trilogy characters. And you know I've I'm sure in our wrap up thoughts, I have some thoughts on this a little bit, but yeah. And, and whatever, but yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think rogue one really showed you the, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, what, what you could, what's possible. That's what I'm trying to say. What's possible and what you can do with these ships and, and how rad they, you know, they, they can look and how they just insane. Everything can be, in a live, you know, live action Star Wars or, you know, or a dogfight Star Wars, you know, starships and things like that. So I think it's only the tip of the iceberg, you know, and even the Mandalorian where we've seen like just ships, they look incredible and it's been fun. I can't imagine a high, big budget movie uh, just throwing everything into these dogfights. I mean, I just, I, in a, in a filmmaker like Patty Jenkins, I mean, I have this, this is something that I think that's definitely worth, you know, I talk about a lot of times, you know, the, the medium of, of film, like, right. Like for me, Star Wars fits the TV model so well because it's of a serialized storytelling and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and the fact that mediums of like the medium between film and TV it, is, is very different. And, you know, it, sometimes I think that maybe Star Wars should stay on TV because, you know, you can keep it at a higher budget and get all those same things. I will say that a thing like Rogue Squadron could look just, you know, you could make a tight two hour, you know, just under two hour movie about spaceships, you know, blowing each other up. And it would be it, you could make it look just uns- insane. So I think that makes you really excited. And I think that would be definitely worth watching in a theater opposed to just on your TV. Uh, not said I wouldn't watch Mandalorian or anything like that on, not on a big screen, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah, that's something yeah. I do. I, I'd throw down some extra money and want to see, and prefer that to see that in the theater first time or whatever um, because of that reason. You, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And I think especially for me, like I love the space battle at the end of Rogue One, but for me, I still think the best space battle in all of Star Wars is Return of the Jedi. And um, the fact that, you know, with all the new technology and stuff that we have nowadays, the fact that of all the Disney Star Wars films, you know, there's only one that has a space battle that came even close to the Battle of Endor. And that's still my favorite one. It's almost like a little bit disappointing. I was hoping that we would have gotten like a, a bigger, more epic space battle in one of the sequel trilogy movies or something. But this definitely seems like the type of movie that can deliver on that. And I'll be honest, like when I first heard the announcement, I was kind of, I mean, not disappointed, but just like, you know, of of all things, you know, I mean, obviously Rogue Squadron's cool and I love Starfighters and everything. I was just kind of surprised that that was their pick for, you know, the first thing to go with for the next Star Wars movie. And hearing that it was Patty Jenkins, I thought she did a fantastic job with the first Wonder Woman movie. Um, looking forward to seeing the second one, but I was like, 
okay, I hope this isn't a case where they're just bringing in another talented filmmaker and and sort of asking them to come up with an idea and make a Star Wars movie because we need a Star Wars movie that, you know, might be kind of hit or miss. But then once I saw that video uh, with Patty Jenkins talking about it and just how how personal it is to her and how much she loves Star Wars and how much she loves fighter planes and, and dogfighting and, you know, how much she really, really wanted to make this movie and tell this story. Then I was like, okay, let's go. I'm suddenly way more excited for this. And, uh, you know, obviously not that I didn't have faith in her as a filmmaker, but just that, like, I'm so much more, uh, I have so much more faith in just the the success of the project and the quality of it when you know that the people involved are really invested. Um, so I thought that was great. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a great, touching personal video and story from her. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope that she makes something that just knocks it out of the park. And I also thought this was interesting that, you know, again, I'm assuming I'm just going off the assumption that this is going to be set after the sequel trilogy, talking about pushing it into the, this future era. But it's obviously not an episodic title. You know, this is not episode 10 or or even like Star Wars, the next generation, chapter one or anything like that. So it's not like a numbered part of a saga, but it's also not a Star Wars story. So the fact yeah. that it's just called Star Wars Rogue One kind of – and again, this is where I was also thinking, talking about pushing mm. it into the future era. Maybe it's just a future era of Star Wars storytelling where they're just going to tell the – you know, it could be one-off stories. It could be trilogies. Yeah. But like whatever mm. they feel like is the best story. Because I really do think – and – you know, I'm not trying to harp on the sequel trilogy here or anything like, you know, there's a lot of stuff I love about those movies, but I think it was a mistake that they kind of rushed into that. It was like they bought Lucasfilm and immediately were like, we need to make episode seven, eight, and nine to capitalize on our investment and, and get our money back and just put Star Wars movies back out in theaters and didn't really take the time to plan it out and do everything they needed to do to make sure that that trilogy as a whole was really successful. And so I think now they're not like, okay, we need to have this big plan and make episode 10, 11, 12 or whatever. They're just like, hey, here's Patty Jenkins. She's got this great idea for a movie that we can do a really cool Star Wars movie about these fighter pilots. And that's what we're going to put out. Um, and I mean, obviously, I, I really am not expecting that if the next movie after this is Taika Waititi's, I don't think Patty Jenkins and Taika Waititi are teaming up to do a trilogy. I think his is going to be something completely different. Um, and so, again, maybe they're talking about just moving into this future era, future era beyond the Skywalker saga. Um, you know, it's it's done. We're past that. It's its own special thing. And we're not going to try to, like, replicate it or build on it. We're just going to tell whatever great Star Wars stories we can. Um, and that's exciting to me because I, you know, I, I like, I mean, obviously they can do a ton with Disney plus and we're getting a lot of different stories there. And then when they have an idea that they think is fit for the big screen, that's what we'll get. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, you know, a long three year wait till we get to see this in theaters, but we've got a whole lot more coming to Disney plus in between now and then. Oh Yeah. The one one last thing I want to say on Rogue Squadron is just again going back to the era of kind of speculating on when it could take place. But I really hope it is post sequel trilogy. I mean, not even that far after. It could be not too long after. 
um, the fall of the first order or the final order, I should say. But one reason I think I believe it will be in that time period is just that theme of legacy that these new fighter pilots would kind of have to live up to with the past Rogue Squadron group. And then that kind of tying into Patty Jenkins and her family legacy was her father being a fighter pilot. And maybe that will kind of go into the story that's going to take place here with some of these new characters. Maybe they do have a family legacy of their parents, grandparents being part of Rogue Squadron during the rebellion against the Empire. And maybe we'll get some older characters kind of mentoring them. Maybe Dennis Lawson will come back to play an older wedge uh, to mentor these young group of new Rogue Squadron pilots. So I think there's just a lot of potential for some cool story ideas if it is um, set place a little bit after the sequel trilogy. And who knows, we can even get a hint of maybe mentions of what Ray, Finn, and Poe are doing uh, for the new New Republic <laughs> that might be established or just what the heroes who took down the First Order with the resistance, what they're kind of up to and how these new fighter pilots look up to them or how they view them. And just that going to get a little more of an idea of what the galaxy is like once the first order was taken down and um, the resistance is going to be coming to try to establish order in the galaxy again for hopefully this is time that would last. And maybe we'll see this new group of rogue squadron pilots uh, be part of that to bring this new uh, government and hopefully lasting peace in the galaxy. But if we're going to have any type of cool X-Wing action and space battles, that piece isn't going to last too long. So <laughs> we'll see. But I just think there's just a lot of cool potential for having this story um, set or take place set uh, during or keep saying during, but it should be at least a little bit after the sequel trilogy. So that's what I'm really hoping for. That's what I took from that press release. But at the same time, if it is something that is kind of just expressing the future of the movies in general, as far as being a new era of the galaxy, and it is set during the original trilogy, I won't be complaining about that either because that's where Rogue Squadron was born. I think that would be cool to see a movie set in that period as well. But uh, we shall see. Nevertheless, definitely exciting to have this be our first new Star Wars movie um, in 2023. Yeah, definitely. Um, as far as the Taika Waititi one, I mean, like I said, they didn't announce any new details or, or plot information or anything about that. So I wasn't really going to go more in depth on that one. Um, unless you guys had anything you wanted to add, but I mean, I think we already covered that back when it was uh, well, first I will, announced. Yeah, I and really quickly, I think with Taika, I think that there's a lot to. I, yeah, that one's going to be a really interesting kind of thing, and I, I got, I'll just yeah. say, be prepared for something extremely different for a Star Wars movie that yeah, we haven't seen before. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess in, in kind of what I was trying to say, I think, Tim, too, is like, or to be quite honest, I wouldn't even be surprised if that didn't even happen. I'm going to say it right now. If the Taika Waititi movie doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, wouldn't be shocked. Mm. Wouldn't be shocked. Only, dude, how many times have movies failed so far? Trust me. And the way things are going with 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 society and everything, I mean, even with Patty Jenkins, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be as, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if that didn't happen either. Just because. Well, sad again, to say, just because we're used to that as Star Wars fans. That's would be true. Sure. Right. That's true. No, no, and obviously and nothing, but, nothing's a guarantee, but. No, but, but the reason why I say the reason I, with more so Taika is because it's so far away and a lot can happen in that time frame. 
Patty Jenkins, I, I, only reason why I think that the only reason why I think that it's more in line to happen than Tyka's at this point is not because it's only first, but she's got a clear. There's a more of a clear like you know storyline that's going on. It looks sounds like they've already kind of know what they're going to be hitting up, and you know what I mean. It just seems like it's a little more little more prepared than than Tyka's at this point, and that's why I think that. But I at the same time when I just for how long it's how long away it's going to be. And, you know, what's going to happen? I don't know. We'll see. I, I'd be, I, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. I have a feeling it might. It, I, don't, I don't know. I have a feeling that it may not. But just because it's so far away. But, you know, who knows? But I would not be surprised if it didn't happen at all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's definitely not a guarantee, but nothing right now makes me think it won't happen. Um, I mean, we know he's working on it. I think he tweeted or did an interview or something where he said he was he had started writing it. Um, and of course he did a fantastic job with the Mandalorian season finale last year. So I'm looking forward to whatever he's cooking up. Um, and again, we don't even have a release date or anything on that. I'm assuming that'll probably be 2025 if the previously announced, uh, Star Wars film release dates that we had are still on the table. Um, but moving on from that to the Obi-Wan series, which it's funny because I think everybody was just kind of operating under the assumption that it would be called Kenobi, but they showed the official logo for it. It's The official title is Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, uh, directed by Deborah Chow. We knew that. Um, like I said, the biggest announcement here was that Hayden Christensen is returning as Anakin or as Darth Vader. Um I mean, obviously, that's going to be super cool. We don't know how that's going to happen. Um, when Kathleen Kennedy was doing the presentation, she, you know, she made that announcement and then kind of teased it as like the greatest rematch of the century or something like that, which kind of made me pause a little bit and go, okay, hang on, but I know you guys aren't going to like make a story where Obi-Wan and Vader come face to face on Tatooine and just like have another lightsaber duel because. I think, I mean, they don't spell it out explicitly in A New Hope. They're not like, oh, I haven't seen you since Mustafar. But, you know, when he says, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Seems pretty clear. He also they... says, well, he also says you should not have come back. You should not have come back. That could be a very key line. He yes. does <laughs> say that, too. He does say that, too. Um, and that's a and that's something a lot of other people have picked up on for years that you could come and follow up on. And that's and to be honest, it's it's both a stretch, but also it could work. Yeah. Now, for me personally, I'm hoping that this is more, uh, you know, force visions, maybe Obi-Wan kind of being haunted by the ghosts of his past or even training like with Yoda and Qui-Gon and doing some like mystic force stuff and he maybe has to like you know confront his dark side demons or whatever there's a ton of different ways that you could work Darth Vader into this without Obi-Wan and Vader having to come face to face in the flesh um but regardless I'm sure that you know I, I mean they know how important this is to the fans um, so I'm sure they're going to do a great job and get it right. Uh, I mean, we know they basically scrapped the whole thing and started over when, you know, the scripts weren't good enough or whatever. Um, and of course, Deborah Chow directed a couple of fantastic episodes in the, in season one of the Mandalorian. So I'm sure she's going to do a great job with it. It's just going to be really cool to see Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor back together again. I mean, yep. they've both released separate, uh, 
you know quotes or statements on this announcement saying that like the like bo for both of them the the coolest part about this is the two of them getting to work together again so i think that's going to be really special i think whatever comes of it i mean just the fact that they're so excited to work together again i think when we see the two of them on screen you're gonna be able to really feel that chemistry and that that tragedy and that loss and that that bond that was there between anakin and obi-wan so um I'm really excited for that. I, I mean, and heck, the fact that Hayden is coming back, they say as Darth Vader, but who knows, we could also get flashbacks to him as Anakin during the Clone Wars or something like that. So, uh, you know, more Anakin and Obi-Wan content. I'm here for it. This was amazing news to get. I mean, we've kind of been hearing some rumblings and rumors about Hayden possibly showing up in the Obi-Wan series, but I was always assuming it was going to be a flashback to a moment during the Clone Wars with him and Obi-Wan, which would have been awesome and amazing in itself. And like I said, I think we could still get that. But once I read in the press release that you said Aiden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader, I just had to pause for a minute and go, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it sounds awesome, but I, I won't lie. I did stop and pause and think to myself, hmm, is that really going to work as far as continuity? And from what we know, in their duel of a new hope. And I just started thinking of possibilities in the dialogue. And like you said, Paul, that one line saying he should not, you should not have come back. And just even taking the line that when I left you, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. Obviously you can, that makes perfect sense for when they last left in Revenge of the Sith. But if you want to look at it a little differently, you could where Anakin was still as far as a learner of the dark side in a Sith. But now it is my thinking he's a master at that too. When he last fought, obi-wan and obviously yeah. this is 10 years after that well and if you want to so, get really technical he could be saying when i left you as a jedi like you know when when i left your side sort of but that wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. the last time i saw you so yeah i don't know there are mm -hmm. ways they could work it but at the same time too i really don't want to get too bogged down with the continuity and familiarity of what we know of a new hope just yet because this is just awesome news i mean we're going to get hayden christensen and ewan mcgregor back as obi-wan slash anakin darth vader and just the idea of if it is in fact hayden as darth vader full armor fighting a lightsaber duel with ewan mcgregor as obi-wan that's going to be mind-blowing to see to see ewan mcgregor obi-wan fighting darth vader in his armor it's going to be amazing and i just have full confidence that they're going to make it work in a way that is satisfying and that doesn't con contradict the iconic duel in a new hope because i'm sure that is the last thing they want to do and they just want to make it a perfect um, lineup and lead up to that eventual fateful meeting that they have and i just can't wait to see it all unfold so there is a part of me that is a little bit skeptical but at the same time it's going to be amazing to see and i like to have the confidence in the talent that is involved as far as bringing this story um, to us once we do get to see it. But man, I just cannot wait. This was his awesome news to get. I'm just super happy for Hayden that he's going to come back as Anakin Skywalker because I'm sure there was a moment in time where he thought he'd never get to play that character again. And the fact that he will be playing him as Darth Vader. And again, I just think we are, he's, I don't just think he's going to be limited to being in the Darth Vader suit. I don't think they're going to necessarily waste bringing him back and not have him be Anakin Skywalker that, we knew him from the prequels, at least for a moment or a sequence here or there 
in the limited run of the series. So it's going to be great. And I'm just thinking now, too, where maybe that look will get him as Anakin can include in their duel. Obi-Wan slashes his helmet off a little bit, a la Ahsoka, Twilight of the Princess. And we get to see Hayden's face actually behind the mask. It's just so many cool possibilities. So I cannot wait. And the thing that also has me excited, which I'm hoping this is the case where in this series, we'll, this is where we'll see Obi-Wan learn that Anakin survived their battle on Mustafar. And just oh, yeah, what, for sure. yeah. the shock that's going to be for Obi-Wan, just how he has to deal with it, kind of thinking himself maybe more that failure mentality that um, he first had on Mustafar failing Anakin as his mentor and his friend and then failing what he thought accomplishing his mission and defeating him and then really having to focus on protecting Luke. And maybe that's something where, you know, we're thinking about how, at least for me, and I'm sure I know a lot of other fans feel this way too, how Obi-Wan really can't leave Tatooine and I don't want to see that. But part of me is thinking that might happen in the series if they're going to bring Darth Vader back. Because I have a hard time thinking their duel is going to take place on Tatooine with Vader being so close in proximity to Luke. Um, so there's a part of me that's thinking maybe Obi-Wan will leave for a little bit. And maybe it's not until he realizes that Anakin is still alive. He is Darth Vader that he really becomes um this recluse on Tatooine where he does not leave it for anything. Maybe the first 10 years had a little leeway, but after he finds out Anakin is alive, is Darth Vader. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. He is not leaving Tatooine as Luke is not leaving his side. So we'll see. I think there's some possible story ideas that can make it work and not have me uh, think about it in a critical way as a Star Wars fan who was just dead set on having Obi-Wan be on Tatooine for all 19 of those years post Revenge of the Sith and up until A New Hope. So we'll see. There's just a lot of stuff that has me excited about this. We knew the Obi-Wan series was coming, obviously, and that alone made it my most anticipated Star Wars TV show coming to Disney Plus. And having the return of Hayden as Darth Vader just (laughs) reaffirms that. And it's going to stay that way until we get this series. So, yeah, it was just awesome news to get. Yeah, there is a... Oh, man. So with this whole news, I, I never took it as him playing Darth Vader. I always took it as, oh, he's playing uh, Flat him, Anakin Skywalker's flashbacks. And then I kept hearing him, Darth Vader, Darth Vader. And I'm like, huh, how's that going to work? Because didn't like Hayden have to wear stilts to do that one scene? Basically. Yeah. Um, but listen, listen, listen. L- listen, Linda, listen. Um <laughs> Sorry, I had, I had you. That's a, that's a great, that's that's a great, that's a great internet classic. Um, anyway, my my point is this: is that it doesn't really matter because you're gonna put him in the Darth Vader suit. You can just do a optical, you know, more of a not optical illusion, but uh, trick photography is what I'm trying to say. You'll appreciate this, uh, t- uh, Kyle. Uh, just you know, and using different, you know, different, you know, pos- camera positions to give the uh, illusion that Hayden is towering over Obi-Wan Kenobi, whatever. Because you really want, I mean, this is probably the chance that I think Hayden gets to actually play Darth Vader, what he thought he was signing up for back in the day. I mean, essentially, you could say this is what Obi-Wan, or Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor and uh, Hayden Christensen, one of the reasons why they wanted to do the prequel trilogy in the first place, is they're finally going to, you know, get this, you know, not just, you know, Anakin versus Vader, but like, Really, uh, or Anakin versus Vader, Vader versus uh, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi, but they're actually going to get Darth Vader versus, you know, the real Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, a re- like what we all kind of thought we were going to get in some regard. Uh, whatever. Uh, and this is not saying I don't like what we got either, because I, I freaking love Revenge of the Sith. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, basically. Um, so with all that said, I, you know, it, I've been hearing people say that that line about, you know, last time we met, I was with learner out and now I'm the master and you should not have come back. And there's a lot to be said there. There's a lot of leeway you can do. And I think one of the things that I, you were kind of talking about, Tim, is how what, what they don't want to mess it up. Right. They don't want to screw this whole thing up. There's, pro- there's probably a lot of like, you know, we got to really handle this with kid gloves or whatever. At the same time, they have a chance to make that even more impactful. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason why I say that is because, you know, like you said, Obi-Wan doesn't know that he's back. And I think there is a great story there to be told about Obi-Wan, you know, going to exile, looking after Luke to try to raise him, basically to take over the emperor uh, or, or, you know, to, to take it down the emperor with him and Yoda eventually. That's kind of what I'm assuming Obi-Wan's you know going to do but then think about this what you know Obi-Wan finds out that Vader is actually alive and he's like oh crap I gotta go I have to finish what I started you know mm-hmm. and he yeah, has to go that's a good and, point. and that's what I think this story is going to be about and I think it's going to be and I think you're definitely going to 100% going to see Liam Neeson um, hmm. um, I think you're because I think what's going to end up happening is on his way to fight Vader, it's going to be a standstill. No one's, it, they're going to be too, just like how they were back in the day, Obi-Wan, you know, even though that he's more machine now than man, because that's the other thing too, is Obi-Wan knows that he's more of a machine. He's more, of a, he's, he's, you know, he's not the real Anakin Skywalker. He's like, okay, you know, obviously he's going to assume that he's, you know, half cyborg when he sees him, but there's more, the way Obi-Wan talks about it, it sounds like he's like, he knows very intimately in, in, in a fighting way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's not just a, Oh, he's more, he's, a, he's basically a machine now. Oh, well, like, you know. like he's speaking from more experience than just the battle exactly. we have on the Death Star. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly what I, I, I sense from that. And I think there's a, and that's why I think there's a lot of different things you could go with. I think also there's one more line too that I think that we're all underestimating, you know, new hope. And, and honestly, like it's you, this, I love, this is again, this, this is very classic comic book continuity. Like what can I do to make this like even better enhance this or whatever, right. To kind of like enhance the story, classic comic book, you know, serialized pop, you know, what pulp, whatever. Uh, the scene where Vader's walking around, he goes, I'd send something not since. And then he walks off. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that never, I'll, I'll never forget. I was rewatching New Hope recently, uh, or about a couple months ago, on 4K. Which, by the way, 4K looks unreal. Um, and I remember, you know, I've, I've heard that line a couple times, and it never, and it never really struck me what exactly that meant. Even after Revenge of the Sith, I always was like, that doesn't really, that doesn't really make any sense to me because because the way I know the way George is intending it to be made but really it doesn't really it just doesn't really add up it's like 
Why would Darth Vader has? I haven't felt this since the last time I got my A run on Mustafar. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, eh, that, 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 that's something that he would sense. He would sense his old former master, and that's what he says to Tarkin. That's just my former master, Old One Kenobi. It's like, I, for some reason, it, it it just never really sat well with me that line and what it represents in Revenge of the Sith and all that stuff. I know for everyone else, it probably did, but it never really made sense to me. And if this is well, I really well, hold on, hold on, let me finish, let me finish. And the reason why I think that I, I think that this series will make this whole end scene in A New Hope this much like all these lines, like Vader saying, I haven't felt this since, and we're gonna know they faced each other off, you know, about 10 years before this, and it was crazy. And that's why it makes it even more, more impactful when Vader will say, You should not have come back. Because now he's ready for him, or something like that. So mm -hmm. that's so honestly, like if and now that I know this, because I thought we were going to get the run of the mill, you know, Obo and Kenobi is going to get, you know, free some, you know, Tuscan, you know, or people from some Tuscan Raiders and wave his lightsaber around, which I would have been, I would have paid, you know, twenty bucks a, a night for that, you know, to be quite honest. But now we're going to get something that might be a lot more impactful, talking about, you know, Obi Wan learning to let go of his feelings, Obi Wan maybe. Learning to, you know, through Qui-Gon and Yoda and through his battle with his, his his former brother in Anakin of what life and what his role really truly is. And I think, and again, I don't know if we're going to get that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just wanting that. That sounds powerful. And that sounds amazing. And we all know that they kind of abandoned this, these, this a movie idea. And with, and the reason why I think we're going to get something along those lines I'll let you uh, take over here in a sec, Kyle. Uh, the reason why I think we're going to get something along those lines is because you you get Hayden Christensen to play Anakin, not just as Darth Vader, but for flashbacks. And the reason why you have flashbacks is to enhance the emotional relationship between them. Even though we already have that in two films, now you have, you have a chance to rekindle that with new scenes and give them a different fresh perspective for the new audiences that are be watching this. And I think that's how you enhance that, that climactic, that climactic battle that you eventually have with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi in the TV series. And now when you watch new hope, it's even more impactful besides this revenge of the Sith. So in my, in my closing of this, I really do think that this has so much potential to be a powerful emotional story for Obi-Wan. And I think just, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of potential there for that. So I hope we get it. I don't know if we will, but I hope we do. Yeah. I will say honestly, just in listening to you guys talk about it and having some of my own thoughts that I hadn't considered yet, I'm already starting to warm up to the idea of the two of them actually meeting face to face and having this confrontation. Um, because you're right. We haven't really explored the story of Obi-Wan discovering that Anakin survived. Now, I don't think, like you said, Paul, like he might find that out and go like, oh, shoot, I need to go finish what I started. I don't think he'll do that um, necessarily. It's not going to be like, oh, I need to go kill him. I need to, you know, take my final revenge or whatever, because he could have done that on Mustafar. Like, and maybe I'm reading too much into like the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, which I mean, you know, is maybe not entirely canon because he kind of put his own spin on some things, but... I love the way that that book gets inside the mind of the characters and it's describing Obi-Wan during that scene, you know, watching Anakin 
burn on the lava bank and he's like well he could step in and save him or he could go and kill him and just finish it and it says you know he has this moment of jedi serenity where it says like obi-wan kenobi does what he's always done he leaves it to the will of the force and he just walks away and just kind of says like whatever happens happens um so now again, that's how that's... i read it into it too myself to be quite honest i don't think i don't think he he could have saved him and he could have killed him, but I think right. I think Obi Wan just kind of was like, you know what, I, I I've done what I I needed to do and I'm gonna walk away. Right. So I don't think he would then find out that Anakin survived and go, oh shoot, I need to go finish him off. But maybe the Empire, but, but maybe the Empire comes after him. Maybe it poses a threat to Luke. Maybe it starts with Inquisitors coming after Obi-Wan, catching wind that there's this old desert Ooh. hermit on Tatooine. But, um, you can't, but in the canon, you, you don't want to reveal that... He, Vader can't know or even assume that Obi-Wan is living on Tatooine. Because well, right, the, because... So, again, maybe the Inquisitors are just investigating a possible Jedi, maybe Vader doesn't even know about it. Maybe they're just off doing their own thing. And Obi-Wan mm. comes in contact with one of the Inquisitors, defeats them, and then finds out, okay, I need to go after Vader or go after whoever sent this Inquisitor and stop them before they send more people here and discover Luke. So it mm. could be something like that. Um, but I think, yeah, him you know, having that realization or discovering for the first time that Anakin survived uh, would be really interesting. Also, we know that he knows the name Darth Vader because um, yeah. he sees it in that yeah. hologram at the Jedi Temple. And then Yoda says, you know, the boy you trained gone, he is consumed by Darth Vader. So he knows the name, but maybe he, who knows, maybe he's hanging out at the Moss Eisley Cantina and on the holonet sees footage of this terrifying, you know, black armored, enforcer of the empire i, I believe like that's what sent... happened in the old dark lord novel like the epilogue of that book oh <laughs> really see I, I and i remember loving that book but i don't even remember obi-wan be, playing a part in that he was like um, at the very end the epilogue okay of it. yeah but yeah sure. <laughs> it could be something like that where he maybe sees this guy maybe senses that he's strong with the dark side but doesn't realize that it's darth vader and then when he hears the name he puts the pieces together um, but it also could be really cool. First of all, you were saying, Tim, that, you know, what if like they have a lightsaber duel and he slashes the helmet and you see Anakin underneath. And I'm like, what if this is basically just, and I'm not saying they should like just repeat the story beat for beat, but something similar to Twilight of the Apprentice, but with Anakin and Obi-Wan instead of, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, where not only could you see the face, but it could be, you know, again, Obi-Wan grappling with this revelation that this is Anakin and he could say a similar line uh about you know anakin skywalker was weak i destroyed him and that would add so much more context to obi-wan's lines from the original trilogy where he tells luke that vader killed his father because then it would not just be him sort of rationalizing it that way in his own head but like vader literally telling him that like nope anakin's not here bro i'm somebody completely different that guy's dead well and gone um, but, but Kyle, I, I, and Tim, this, this is my thing. The reason, and you bring up a great point of why, you know, Obi-Wan would, it would be weird for Obi-Wan to go and pursue Vader after finding out it's Anakin or whatever. And I would agree with you after you said that, but I'm still got fixed in my mind and not saying you're wrong. Cause I, I think you're on the money, but something in my mind tells me once Obi-Wan would hear what Vader is doing in the galaxy, 
and goes, wait, that's, that's Anakin. And goes, Anakin's like making life miserable, not just for Jedi, but for everyone. Like, he is mm-hmm. a tyrant. Like, I think that that would make Obi-Wan feel like I, I have to do something about it. Again, no, and, yeah, and that could be too. Like, if there's a certain situation where he goes, I need to step in and save these people from Darth Vader, that's different than just going, oh, I didn't finish well, I the like job, that. you know? So that, so that would, see, I like where this is going. Because then you have reason for him to leave Tatooine. Luke is still young enough to where he's probably going to be okay. You know, Obi-Wan, you know, because what, what I'm thinking in my head in, from the creative side is he's still communing with Qui-Gon and Yoda, right? Well, let's say – just like how Luke goes and he does, bra- does his own brash thing. At this point, this could be where, where Obi-Wan himself is struggling emotionally and spiritually – and he's like, listen, I got the, you know, I'm going to go against what you guys are telling me. I'm going to do my thing. And that's when he learns, oh, like, wait, that was not the right thing to do. I should have listened to my mentors or whatever, which is Luke, what Luke doesn't do. Right. So uh-huh. I, 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 I don't know. There's, well, and there's he, of, it, yeah. he wouldn't even necessarily have to go against Qui-Gon and Yoda in that sense. Sure, because, sure. Because sure. remember, Obi-Wan and Yoda are the ones telling Luke in order to become a Jedi, you have to kill Darth Vader first. So maybe Obi-Wan finds and, – and Yoda was the one in Revenge of the Sith who told Obi-Wan, hey, look, sorry, I know he was your friend, but you got to take this guy out. Like we have to destroy the right, Sith right, and you're not powerful right. enough to stop Sidious. So maybe Yoda sends him to confront Vader. Um, Ooh, I like that. So, Ooh, yeah, I, like I don't that. know. I don't know. Lots of interesting possibilities there. But, yes, I, I absolutely love the idea of him also having – you know, force visions or communications or whatever with Yoda and Qui-Gon. And I don't know if we'll see them like through visions or as force spirits or whatever, but um, at least having the voices of Frank Oz and Liam Neeson in there, I think is uh, a very real possibility and would be really cool as well. One thing for sure, this show is going to be amazing. I mean, just yeah. this little discussion we're having on it, it just getting me more and more pumped for it Same, <laughs> really yeah, is because same. again uh, yeah. when we had talked about this before and like you were saying paul it's like i kind of just envisioned like okay this is going to be a little just slice of what obi-wan's life is like on tatooine and maybe saving a yeah. village from some sand people or saving some and sand people from a crate dragon or whatever and i'd be happy with that it wouldn't be the most exciting story but it'd be cool to see you and mcgregor as obi-wan sure. again and now you throw vader back into the mix and i suddenly went from mm, should he be fighting vader again to now suddenly being like oh wait there's a lot of cool possibilities here and like as we're talking this is like climbing to the top of my list of all of these stories that i'm most excited for so um yeah, good stuff. I can't wait to see what they're doing with this. Um, I think it's going to be... I don't remember if she said specifically, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be coming in 2022. Um, cause it starts... See, I'm a little hopeful. I'm not banking on it, but I am hopeful we may get this in 2021. They're filming in March, and I know the episode count's going to be a little shorter than probably most of the series we're going to get. So maybe they could get it done in time for a late 2021 premiere, but I think you're probably right. It is going to be 2022. Yeah. But I mean, there's still a little bit of hope I have that just maybe could sneak into 2021. Well, they did confirm. See, I was thinking we might get the Cassian series by the end of 2021 because that one just started filming and they confirmed during this presentation that Cassian is going to premiere 2022. 
And so yeah, the fact that Obi-Wan hasn't started filming yet, I think that one probably will also just be like, we'll probably get Cassie in maybe January or February of 2022. And then Obi-Wan maybe sometime in the spring. And I know we're not up to Andor just yet, but another big thing about it was that it's going to be 12 episodes. Yeah. So as far as we know right now, that's going to be the longest Star Wars series for what we're used to. So that's what, that is what has me thinking that that's, might be why that's in 2022 and maybe since obi-wan is a little shorter that can sneak into 2021 but could be we'll see yeah i will say though like man it is gonna be so cool and again whether it's live like live in person face to face or it's a force vision or whatever seeing obi-wan and, and vader go at it uh is gonna be fantastic i mean you saw i think we've all seen like that fan edit um like that, that fan film that those guys made where it's like the recreation of their their duel on the Death yeah. Star, but where it's way faster paced and everything. And it could be, it probably won't be maybe quite that over the top, but, you know, for anybody that's disappointed, like, oh man, they have this epic lightsaber duel in Revenge of the Sith. And then in A New Hope, they're just, you know, two old guys like fighting very slowly. It's like, well, we're going to get to see a rematch between those two. That's probably going to be a much more intense lightsaber duel. Yeah, just give it to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, really, really quick, really quick, really quick. I think there's potential that they could be. They're going to explain why they're like that because think about this. In um, the uh, oh my gosh, Twin Sons episode of Rebels, right? Obviously, Obi Wan Kenobi is a different person, or he's a lot different. Um, demeanor and an and outlook on life at that point compared to where he was in Revenge of the Sith and everything. And, and I think Dave Filoni kind of talked about that. And that's why he's able to sit back and, and, he's, and he's a different person from when he first faced Darth Maul uh, in the Clone Wars or first face, but when he faced him in the Clone Wars opposed to then and how he's able to take him out with one strike. And you got to wonder between not just Clone Wars and then, but what about between a new, uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope that maybe what would change his demeanor and everything? What if this battle with Darth Vader, this potentially new battle, not only um, it just kind of whatever explains why Vader's like, you know, say a couple of things. But what if it explains the fight in that and Twin Sons where maybe it's, you know, Obi-Wan does a bunch of flashy moves and it doesn't really mm. work. And he learns that actually it's precision that works. And that's what he learns through that battle of Vader. And that's why the battle is more of just two guys kind of hitting sabers for a while, because he learns the idea of precision, not just flashing the pants and jumping all around, like, you know, doing ninja moves and trying to slice Vader in half. It's like actually more methodical. I can make a killing blow. And I wonder if that's going to maybe play an element of the story. Just something to chew on. No, yeah, that's a good point. And I just think this series in general is just going to be the perfect bridge to the wise mentor Obi-Wan we see in A New Hope from when we last saw him in Revenge of the Sith. And to your point, Paul, I'm sure that's going to be part of that growing experience that Obi-Wan um, will have during this series. So, yeah, it's it's just going to be incredible all the way around just from <laughs> any avenue you're going to look at it. Man, there's just so much to be excited about with this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think just seeing everything that Obi-Wan went through in in the Clone Wars and in Revenge of the Sith and everything, and just knowing his history with Maul, I think all the context that you need is already there for Twin Sons specifically. 
Um, but I just think, yeah, seeing him like at this halfway point between Re Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, I think is going to be just a really cool bridge seeing that transition from prequel Obi-Wan to original trilogy Obi-Wan um, and throwing in the return of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader is just going to be icing on the cake. So can't wait to see what ends up happening in that show. Um, and I think, I don't remember if they talked about this specifically or not, but I, I think, you know, it was already confirmed, like, this is a limited series. Actually, yeah, it says, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor and the iconic role of Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi for a special event series on Disney+. Plus. So we don't know how many episodes this is going to be, but I think it's safe to assume this is just going to be one season, um, maybe, like, four to six episodes or something like that. But, um, honestly, I think that's all we're going to need, and I think it's going to be really fantastic and really special um yeah so you brought up the whole thing about a uh, special event series i got a question because it's probably leading to our next topic which is ahsoka but obi-wan and lando are listed as special event series which like you i agree that it's probably going to be a one and done season for the series but for ahsoka it says a, a limited series and which kind of makes me think the same thing so i'm wondering if What's mm. going to be the big difference between a limited series and a special event series? Is Ahsoka maybe going to be just two seasons, a little longer, or I don't know. I, just... I, I, I have theories, but if you want to wait for that, Kyle, and explain Ahsoka for an ultimate segue that Tim just set up that I'm over-explaining, then go ahead. Yeah, I think, um, well, I was kind of going to kind of get into two of these shows at the same time because Kathleen Kennedy announced them together. They're doing Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic, which are both also going to be executive produced by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, and they're going to take place in the same time period as The Mandalorian, um, and that they're actually all going to kind of connect at the end into one uh, sort of culminate in like one epic story that is kind of like a crossover between the three of them. Um and so to your question, Tim, I think maybe that specific wording where Ahsoka is a limited series but not an event series is because Ahsoka is sort of part of a larger event of this, you know, the crossover between the Mandalorian and the Rangers of the New Republic, and it's not its own separate event. Um, and maybe mm -hmm. it'll be, but also as a limited series, maybe it'll be like a full 10 or 12 episodes or something, but only be one season, whereas maybe... Obi-Wan or Lando might only be four or six episodes or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That uh, makes sense. As far as the... And who knows, maybe they just wanted to switch up their wording for the press release and it'll all be the same and they just wanted to use some different word choice. But uh, regardless, I think these are also two very interesting series. I mean, obviously we kind of had a good idea that there was probably going to be an Ahsoka series now that she's been introduced in live action. Um, but this is officially confirmed. Rosario Dawson will continue to play the character. Um, and uh, according to this, it says this show, the whole show is going to be written by Dave Filoni, which I think is awesome. Um, and executive produced by John F uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. The, the fact that it takes place in the same time frame as the Mandalorian is interesting. And I wonder if uh, this is still you know, we still don't know, like, is this before the epilogue of Rebels? Is it after? Are we, is this going to still connect to, like, an animated Rebels continuation, or is this what we're going to get? I think we probably still will get a full-blown, like, several-season 
uh, Rebel sequel with Ahsoka and Sabine and everything, since this is mentioned just as a limited series. Um, but going to be cool to see more of Ahsoka in live action. And uh, I think this pretty much confirms that we're going to be seeing Grand Admiral Thrawn in live action at some point, too. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because Ahsoka's after him, but also I think this could be the epic event that this whole thing culminates in and i think maybe my my speculation from earlier might end up being right that maybe thrawn is the top of the food chain for the empire at this point and that we'll find out that you know by going after moff gideon they're going to find out that thrawn is the head honcho above him um so I don't know. We'll see. And obviously the Rangers of the New Republic is going to tie into this as well. Probably will feature Cara Dune um, and maybe some of the other like New Republic pilots and stuff that we've seen in The Mandalorian. But uh, yeah, obviously there's going to be a, a lot of cool new stuff happening with these two shows. All right. I have to I have to say a lot about this because I think this is it, – it, it's funny. This is something that can support either one of us' uh, desires for, for Grogu – <laughs> and to be to be quite honest, I think you could argue now anything for Grogu at this point, and especially after today's episode, I'm like, I'm like kind of you know I still have my my strong inclination, and and I think it's Ahsoka's still going to get him at some point, and I still think that that should that should what's what I want to have happen. It's also you know whatever, but all that being said, this is really fascinating to me because. There's a couple things that I've I've read or, or heard, and I haven't sat down sat down and read every single detail. I was waiting honestly for Kyle to do it for me today. Thank <laughs> you, Kyle. Uh, uh, no, seriously, because I do. I'm busy, man. I, you know, it's wait. I thought I you said busy. I didn't read. You, you don't read besides <laughs> like news. You're a news reader. Uh, no, but but in all seriousness here, I, I this to me is just fascinating because. We all kind of, I remember hearing online people talking about a Filoni verse or whatever. And I'm like, what, what the hell does that even mean? It's so dumb. And now I'm kind of like, okay, this is what they're talking about. Okay. So I, I'm just very, very intrigued of where this could be going in a sense to where, because they talk about, they talk about like events. And I, I want to say that didn't someone or so they write some kind of like epic event, like they kind of emphasized like kind of like a it's leading in culminating to like one massive event of, of some sort yeah. or something. If I almost think guys, I have an inclination. This could culminate into a future film potentially. Possibly. Well, that would be interesting. Now hear me out, everybody, because, and again, this would give me more credence. So I think Grogu coming with Ahsoka because again, now you have three, t- you know, you have three TV series, and I, it, I thought it was going to happen at the end of the season. I'm going to probably change my my uh, my my speculation now that it, now that I know that it's not just the Mandalorian doing his own thing. It's actually going to be tying into a greater narrative with two other series. I'm kind of like, well, now I'm like, anything's on on the table at this point. Um, I think it's very, 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 very highly possible that Grogu will go with Ahsoka. I just don't know if it's going to happen this season. And it mainly is because of the announcement of these two series, because it sounds like, like you said, Kyle, where is it going exactly? And I, and I remember reading the way people were talking about it and the way that's the one, that's probably the one piece that I actually did hear people, you know, quote and, and read on myself. 
And I just got this inclination of this feels like, you know, Favreau is he's pushing the boundaries of everything. And it just feels like he, you know, they talk, you know, it seems like this is his quote unquote Avengers. And I've seen some people joke about it like, oh, you know, Mandalorian and Iron Man and you know, Avengers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, first of all, first of all, first of all, and this is something coming from a Marvel zombie, yo. Uh, Iron Man and doesn't have a rocket pack. Okay, thank you very much. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> the second thing is, is John Favreau is he likes you know he liked Marvel characters I think before he started working on Iron Man. But I have, I referenced this the other day. Go watch if you have the, the own the movie uh, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. And listen, to, watch this, uh, the, a great special feature, to be quite honest, about the, all roundtable directors all talking. And I'll never forget watching that. And this is before Mandalorian even came out, obviously. But I remember watching that and knowing that he's going to be working on The Mandalorian or, or a TV show. I forgot where, when exactly this came out. But he is talking and, he, and he's talking about how he's always liked you know, Marvel characters. But he's always he's never he never was a comic book guy. He was always more of a Star Wars guy. And I always thought that was really fascinating. And I, I know from experience that John Favreau was more of a hired gun for Iron Man more than anything. And it, meaning that just because he helped start the you know the MCU, it's all been Kevin Feige. It's all Kevin Feige's idea. It's not John Favreau's idea. And I think what what we're getting here, it's just more of a just kind of like an idea of Avengers, kind of cul you know, culminating to one epic thing. But there's a lot of different things I think they're trying with this. And I think that what they're doing is expanding so much different stuff that now with, with this Ahsoka limited series and, and Rangers of the New Republic, is that a limited series or is that just a new series in general? That one doesn't specify limited. It just, it's a set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. This new live action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni right. will intersect with future stories and culminate into a climactic story event. So you, there's a couple of things I'm taking from this, okay? One, this is going to be Mando light, meaning not like obviously Mando was not going to be in it probably, but Mando light, like it's going to be like the diet version of Mandalorian minus Mandalorian. And which again, after watching today's episode, I'd be totally fine with that. It was great. It was a great episode. I mean, so I'm not saying that it, it's, it's going to be bad by any means. I'm just saying that there's a lot of different things you could do with this. And I'd be, I would not be shocked if this came on, you know, as long as it was, it was successful, it could just keep going and, and do whatever direction. But all that, I'll, I'll end with this as far as kind of general talks at right now. I think that this whole culmination could end up being a, a live action film of some sort. And, and this is something that I think that they might be, again, that Disney Plus, because you got to think about it this way. Disney Plus is, is their is their main generator right now. It is saving Disney without a question. But in the end, Disney wants to make more money, more you know, more money, more money, more money, whatever. <laughs> the thing is, with theaters, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Again, if theaters are pretty much extinct by this point, yeah, forget it. But I, I have a feeling now that Disney doubled down on movies still with Star Wars and Marvel's a big it actually is a big uh, it's a big message to everyone to be quite honest, and that's them saying we believe in theaters and we want theaters to survive and we're going to save these for theaters. So I think theaters still have a chance, but it's going to be hard. But I don't think it's impossible. But it's going to be difficult. 
That being said, if theaters can somehow manage to survive this long, there's no doubt in my mind that at this point, if, if they're able to get somewhat close to where we, 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 they were before they, they closed down, then I think John Favreau directs some kind of epic thing. Because I remember back in the day, guys, uh, George R. R. Martin even talked about, you know, years ago when the Game of Thrones was going on, he talked about having the end, uh, the end of Game of Thrones being a, in the theater. And that he really wanted, he kind of thought that'd be a great idea to kind of end the series on, in a theater, and how unique and cool that would be. Or again, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's, he wasn't—he's not far off. Meaning, he's only a few years away from that really legitimately happening. And I think that what what I'm trying to get at is that Disney Plus—it would be a really brilliant move, in my opinion. Maybe I'm just not that smart. I don't know. Hear me out, guys. But I think it'd be a pretty brilliant idea to take all these different things, right, that are Disney Plus exclusively, and then all of a sudden say, hey, everyone, you want to see the end of this whole thing? Go to the movie theater and watch your, you know, a two-hour movie on there. And people are going to go do it. They're not going to be like, oh, it's ridiculous. They're going to be like, I got to go see what happens. They're going to be excited to see the end of this movie, and it's going to be epic. They're going to, you know, make it pull out all the stops, and then it'll eventually go to Disney Plus. But to get to finally see it, you know, you know, again, like a normal theater run movie, people are going to go see that movie in the theaters because you're going to build up all this goodwill in these TV series, have this big multi, you know, thing event, and then they all spend, you know, makes almost a billion, you know, a billion dollars in the theater, and you have the Mandalorian in it and everything. So I think this is where they're going to go with it. I really do. I think there's something. I think they're going to test this out in Star Wars because I think this is going to be. Obviously, with how with, with Ahsoka and Rangers of the, um, and you know, Marvel is you know could do something like this too, and they're kind of doing something like this already. I think this is what's going to replace the you know movie every year idea is that we're going to use Disney Plus to tell stories and then maybe tell the ending of these things in Disney Plus. But uh, but yeah, I, I think Ahsoka is going to be amazing. I, like you said, Tim, who knows what era it's going to be in as far as what that means for Ahsoka with with the with the hood. I, for one, don't want to see this, you know, I want to see the, that character or that storyline picked up in, in this series. I don't want to have to wait, you know, what does this mean, Dave? Like, I don't want to go through that again, to be quite honest. I want to get some conclusion with the character, or at least something. I'm not saying I want to see this character die or, or whatever, but I do want to see something, you know, I want to have some kind of fitting conclusion to Rebels, because right now it's so wide open, and if you're going to deal with Thrawn... And you, we already know Thrawn and Ezra together. It doesn't really make sense to prolong that. You know what I'm saying? So I hope that that, that whole Hooded Ahsoka thing with a cane or whatever, or staff, it's going to be revealed soon, maybe within... And, and you know what? Maybe we get that at the end of this limited series, and that's going to be Ahsoka in the series you know, afterwards into the culmination uh, end event, or whatever that's going to be. It's going to be her and this new... Uh, you know whatever lightsaber resistant staff or whatever. So I, I'm really excited about this because I think this is going to be a very unique opportunity for Disney. And the last thing I'll end with this really quickly is I am a little afraid about the Mandalorian not going past season three, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of thought about that a little bit too. And at the same time, man, would that be disappointing? But if that's the story they had intended for no, I agree. Way, no, I agree. But really I, I'm just saying, prepare yourselves because yeah. Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka Limited series, 
And don't get me wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm 100% wrong. Because we keep getting quality that we're getting. Every uh, just I can't wait to talk about this next episode. I, yeah. I really can't. Yeah. But I, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think it's a it's not out of the sight. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that the Mandalorian could be coming to a close sooner than we all think. I'll just say that. It's possible. Um it's possible. I, Why I, is it and, and and look, I don't think the show's gonna go on for like seven, eight seasons. I think Agreed. I think if it if it doesn't go three, I think it'll maybe go four or five. Um, but especially if all of these shows are going to culminate in some big epic thing. I mean, you know, we know Ahsoka is going to be a limited series. Um, and maybe Rangers of the New Republic will go like two or three seasons. I mean, if, if Rangers of the Republic goes three and Mando goes five and then we get one season of Ahsoka thrown in there somewhere, I mean, that would be a pretty good run. Um, and obviously when any of these shows end, it's not like we're gonna then have a, a short, you know, any shortage of other Star Wars content to watch on Disney plus. So, um, honestly, like as much as I love the Mandalorian and it's been fantastic so far, first of all, season two has been so good that like, if it got canceled after season two, I would just be like, well, I'm glad we got season two, but not canceled, but if it, if it ended, well, no, 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 yeah, 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 like well, obviously, we, I'm just saying that because we know it's not going to – the story is not going to wrap up in season two because they also sure. confirmed as part of this that season three is coming around Christmas time next year. Um, Which is a bummer in itself. We have to wait a few extra months. But. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe that's – I mean I'm sure that COVID it's because and everything the Kenobi is, series will be in October next year. <laughs> dude, we're getting Bad Batch between now and then that's true I'm, that's true I'm, yeah I'm we're gonna we're, we're gonna get bad batch we're gonna have high republic we're, there's gonna be plenty of star wars stuff going on um but i'm just saying well like i was saying first of all i, I just i would be happy with these first two seasons of mandalorian and be like thank you john favreau very much um but yeah if it if it only goes three seasons i think that's going to be three fantastic seasons of star wars television and then we move on from that character and that story to all these other ones that we're still getting so um i wouldn't necessarily be upset but i also would love to keep seeing you know more of these stories continue um i do think it would be kind of cool what you're talking about paul if like if the the big event that culminates with these three shows is maybe a movie that comes out in theaters or it could just be a feature length finale that they put out on Disney plus. And instead of an episode yeah. or, you know, a two or three part episode finale or whatever, you basically just make a feature length Mandalorian episode um, and just put it on Disney plus. I think that could be pretty cool too. In general, no, I'd be fine with that too. In general, I don't think it would be a good idea for all these series to like have the season finale be, or like the series finale be in a movie theater. Um, as much as I would pay to go see it, I think a lot of people, you know, that probably wouldn't be like the best business strategy overall. Um, but, I don't know about that. But to do something, I, I to do something like that, where it's like a big event story that's like, you know, the culmination of of three different series, I think would be at least an interesting experiment to try out. Um, the the only reason why I think that could happen, Kyle, is because you underestimate the fact that people are invested in these characters. And if even because here's the thing, oh, I don't underestimate get, that at all. Well, no, 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 no. What, what I'm saying is because the goodwill you have is that they you already know it's going to come on Disney Plus, but you're going to tell them 
just it's basically home video reinvented because now people are going to be told no 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 it'll be on Disney Plus but you, but if you want to watch it now go to the theater and watch it or otherwise you have to wait another 6 8 months in addition to get the end of the story yeah and there's some people out there that are fans of this not like us but the mainstream audience and they're going to be like oh I'm not going to wait I'll just wait till Disney Plus and they'll be totally content with that and that's totally fine because they'll be like, we get, again, we have only makes Disney go. That's cool. Now everyone's gonna want to watch it in the theater. That's fine. But no, that's because well, here's the thing though. If they're gonna put it out in theaters, they want you to go watch it in the theater. And that's why I'm saying it might be a bad idea because if there's if they know, you know, and obviously D- Disney Plus is doing really well, and in their first year, they're already up to like 70 million subscribers or something like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but if you know, I, I'm sure that a large quantity of those people, if you put, if you had the Mandalorian finale be a movie in theaters, a lot of those people would just wait till it comes to Disney Plus and watch it then. And on the flip side. You obviously have a lot of like general audience moviegoers who maybe aren't subscribed to Disney Plus or haven't seen The Mandalorian, but they generally like they normally would still go to the theaters to watch a new Star Wars movie, but then they maybe wouldn't go because they haven't caught up on all the shows and they feel like they, you know, are they're like, oh, well, if I need to watch six seasons of TV first, I'm not going to go see that. So I feel like you might be alienating more of the general audience than you are drawing in but, your built-in Disney but, Plus audience who might just wait for it to hit Disney Plus. But here's the thing, but you're winning either way. You're making money on top of money. You're playing with house money because the thing is, you're already going to be invested. If you're like you even said yourself, well we could see a totally see a movie being brought out. If you know you're going to put it on Disney Plus anyway and you've already have money put aside, you put in a few extra bucks to make it a little bit more high quality or whatever to give a little more of a cinematic feel. And then you say, you know what? We'll put out in theaters, make a few extra bucks, and then put it on Disney Plus. Because people are still going to be, you know, want to see it. If they wait for Disney Plus, it's fine. But think about it. How many people are going to be like us and go see that? If it's if it's as good as it, as this season's been, seasons one and two, and it's and again, assuming that it's as, that quality and it's just we cannot wait. We will see that multiple times. And that's what they're going to be banking on. And again, if you already know you're putting that money aside for this whole project to be on Disney Plus, but you want to put it in, on, in the theaters to get a few extra, you know, again, because we even we all talked about too. We would go pay money now if it was safe to go see the Mandalorian in a theater. Well, like, I'd go see it right we now. We would, we would, but we're also sitting yes. here for hours talking about Star Wars. Not everybody's but, that hardcore. But, but Kyle, but that's but except that that's the whole beauty of it, though. That's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is you don't need. The beauty of having Disney Plus is you don't need to sell out and make a billion dollars at the box office. You don't. If you made an extra like five hundred million off something that you were already going to put on Disney Plus already, wouldn't you do it? It's like, hey, let's put this on Disney Plus and make you know make it more reason for people to to subscribe. Hey, if we put it in theaters, we can potentially make three to five hundred, you know, extra million dollars. Again, that's assuming you put in the marketing and all that stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Because there's because well, see, it's complicated though because they put so much money into the the marketing and the advertising and the theater distribution and stuff like that that they want as many people as possible to go see it in the theater so that they make that money back. But also, part of that is the theater owners are trying to get their cut, and so. Honestly, I don't know. Like this whole 
the whole status quo of movie theater distribution is being shaken, is being shaken up right now. I mean, obviously you have HBO or uh you know, Warner Brothers announcing that, like, all their movies next year are going to be coming to theaters and HBO Max at the same time, and, like, a lot of theater owners and, and you know, certain people in Hollywood are unhappy about that, and obviously it's great for consumers, because if you have HBO Max, you get to see all these movies without having to pay to go to the theater, so I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, and what you're saying is basically the same mentality for disney i mean even if they didn't put it out on disney plus on day one it's still that mentality of like oh they could go see it in the theater they could watch it on disney plus makes no difference to us well it makes a difference to somebody otherwise they'd already be doing that you know so well it's it's not not, it's not that it's not that it's not not that simple but that's not that true though kyle because it because theater shut down three months after disney plus released well, I know, but no, and that's what I'm saying is that this is all. It's going to take a long time to see what the fallout of all that, this that is, is and, true. and the, that, that and is the true. impact that, that it has that on the true. industry. That is true. That's that so. true. I, I apologize. That that is a good point. That is a good point. Um, but anyway, we're we're way off topic of talking about the actual shows here. Um, now we haven't even talked about the biggest thing about the Ahsoka reveal that has me most excited: the logo. Did you see what's behind the title yes. card? Yes. Ahsoka. Yes. Oh man. See, I didn't even notice that right away when I was just getting my mind blown by all these <laughs> title reveals. But when I saw it, like, oh, man, can we possibly be getting in this series connections to what we saw in a world between worlds? And that's all I need to get my excitement level through the roof. I mean, obviously, we talked about in our last episode how awesome an Ahsoka live action series would be on itself. But once we started talking about that and what happened in the Jedi episode about um, her wanting to find Thrawn, that obviously was what I thought the main focus would be on her series after that. But while that probably is still going to be the case, if we get more connections or story points to what happened in the world between worlds and how she went back to Malachor and learned how she got off that planet, just everything tied into that event in Star Wars Rebels. I mean, you know how much I love that episode. So any more lore and details we can get about it i mean sign me up that's just going to be amazing and obviously they're not putting those designs those rune markings in there for no reason at all i mean there's going to be some stuff explored there in the series Um, for how much or how little we don't know yet but any inkling or hint of her time in the world between worlds has me beyond excited to learn more about so that was a big deal when i first saw that like oh man this is going to take the ahsoka series up to another level just hopefully go deep dive into more of that force mythology Mm -hmm. which i just eat up every time so i just love the fact that they threw that as part of her logo it's just really really cool yeah definitely and you know me any kind of jedi and force mythology is instantly you know the kind of stuff that i'm looking forward to so just seeing just seeing ahsoka in live action again is going to be cool um and whether it's just going to be her hunting Thrawn or seeing whatever else she's up to uh during this time period and and kind of her own travels across the galaxy is going to be really cool to see but then yeah adding on top of that any connections to the world between worlds or any kind of new just Jedi and Force mythology type stuff like sign me up for that every day of the week 
And maybe we'll finally get to see Morai for sure in this series, <laughs> not a hint or a tease. Maybe. And who knows? Maybe just diving more into her connection with uh, the daughter too. Just mm -hmm. I obviously know there's a big connection there, but kind of just dive into that aspect of her character a little bit more because it is such an important part of her character now. And I know Dave kind of likes to keep that a mystery. Doesn't want to reveal everything about about their connection and let the fans have some fun and speculating, but I would definitely appreciate a little more it's insight into their connection that they have. Yeah. I I'll, I'll say this. Um, I, if, if he, cause like you said, Tim, I saw those things too. And I went, Oh man. And, and like you said too, Kyle, the Jedi Sith lore, that's where I'm at, man. That's my jam. And I want, I want more Jedi stuff in general. And I think it sucks because as being a huge Jedi force user, uh, dark side, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, fan of, of star Wars. And my favorite probably aspects of star Wars is that whole lightsaber or lightsaber, uh, Jedi versus Sith force user stuff, all, you know, all that. Um, I'm a little disappointed. We haven't got more of it to be honest, like in general, since Disney's taken over and you got to wonder, you know, basically it's been Dave Filoni has been pushing that. And honestly, not, not trying to be a, a jerk here, but uh, Chris Terrio, honestly, like that guy has pushed force mythology way more than JJ and Ryan Johnson combined, basically uh, just the way he's talked and he brought a lot of different aspects and wanted to bring out different things. Uh, he has a different mindset about it. And I was like, man, like, a big reason why I like Rise of Skywalker is the stuff in the Force that we learned about and and, and whatever. You're not trying to start an argument, Kyle, but that, again, in my opinion, that's why I love that. Big reason why I love that movie so much. Um, but it's I'm not even getting more. into Rise of Skywalker right now. I'm just happy we're getting Ahsoka. That's all I'm going to no, say. No, no, but 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 my point is though, I, I think that Dave with World Between Worlds has has tapped into something that has. Be quite honest, fans are very hit and miss about. Like it's very, which I very still can't believe. <laughs> I mean, wait, listen, with the world between worlds, I, I can. Understand. Yeah, I've yeah. seen some. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people don't, don't like, like that. Yes, a lot of people don't. Not a lot, but there's enough people where I'd say it's it's not quite Last Jedi Rise of Skywalker split, but it's it's within a neighborhood. I would say more than I would expect after uh, the reaction I had to it. Yeah. <laughs> But but that all being said, I understand people's reservations because what they reveal in World Between Worlds is the whole time travel kind of aspect. And that is a I do not want Star Wars to become back to the future or whatever. And I oh, really yeah, you know, yeah. No, and, and I don't and, and, either. And I was yeah. I, I even was like super skeptical at first, just of the idea of Star Wars introducing any kind of time travel, but I think just that whole world between world concept, uh I think they it's amazing they, they, and it's it's like that's not time travel that's like touching on it in a very Star Wars way but also I mean it makes sense it's this intersection of the force connecting everything um heck Yoda even tells Luke in Empire Strikes Back you know places he says like you'll see the past the present the future you know old friends long gone whatever it's like so there, there's always kind of been this idea that the force can sort of transcend time if you will um, this just did it in a much more sort of literal and practical way than we'd ever seen before. But I think it's really cool. Again, just diving into weird new aspects of the force and just opening up new possibilities, I think is really cool. Hey, hey, listen, 
I love it too. I think we all love it. And I think that's the thing. And what I was trying to get at was, I think Dave is going to explore that more. Obviously, what what hinting with that logo, Dave is not. He does not put things in. And, and again, I'm not going to bring the sequel trilogy into this, but Dave's not one to bring things in and, and not like kind of give it some kind of meaning or he's not going to just basically just, just play with us you know, and try to play mystery box or, you know, get meta with it or whatever. That's not Dave. Dave knows how to handle Star Wars. And I believe that the world between worlds was, was, was awesome in Rebels. But I think he's, if, if this is what it's hinting at on the logo of Ahsoka, I think Dave's going to make it even more – what's the word I'm looking for? Words I'm looking for. He's, he's going to make the world between worlds a lot more accessible for a mainstream audience because that's who's going to be watching this. And that excites me because I know Dave is an amazing storyteller. He's one of the best Star Wars storytellers besides George Lucas. And there's other people besides Dave Filoni that are great Star Wars storytellers. But Dave is pretty much number two in my opinion. And I think that if – if given the amount of time, proper time and place and resources, I think that he can make world between worlds, a very uh, practical slash um, very meaningful and emotional captivating idea and story and believability for a mainstream audience. Not, you know, not, you know, besides us. Mm. So I'm really excited. I, I have, I mean, let's be real. In Filoni, I trust. I, I he is not mm-hmm. really dis- he, he's never disappointed me. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say like, have I loved everything he's done verbatim? No, but that's that's reality for anyone, no matter how much I love him, like like a George Lucas or whatever. Dave Filoni has not failed, has not let me down really, and I am yeah, very, I, I mean, very excited. There was, there was a sunny day in the void, but you know, aside from that. That's hey. more. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta throw a jab at Tim every once in a while too. Not just Paul and I punching each other. <laughs> no, but you actually bring up a great point, Paul, about the world between world becoming a little more accessible to the more casual fans because I think it's such a brilliant concept and an important aspect of the Force now that even casual fans should know about it. Just how they know about the Force, they might not know the deeper things about it, but they know of the Force. And if Dave can tap into the world between worlds and bring that into more accessible ways for casual fans, um, just so it won't be something that's so foreign and over their heads when we try to talk about it, it would just be great. And even with the Mortis trilogy as well to have that, because, you know, there's a connection um, with both of those stories in Rebels and Clone Wars. And it just adds this whole new layer and avenue to the force that I think Anyone who's even remotely interested in Star Wars should know about, not necessarily understand it, but just know about it and be aware of it. Um, actually, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, just showed my dad the Mortis trilogy from Clone Wars. And it just opened his mind to a whole new level of possibility and storytelling to Star Wars that he wasn't even aware of and just ate it all up. He had a lot of questions, of course, but he just enjoyed seeing this brand new aspect of the mythology that he's never seen before. And if we can get that to more casual fans and have this aspect of the force be brought in more to the mainstream. I think that is a good thing and just keep that expansion of the mythology of the force. Obviously, as we all said that we love so much, it would just be a great thing in my opinion. And the Ahsoka series looks like has the potential to do that. And this part of the reason why it's so exciting that we are getting a live action Ahsoka series. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
gosh and again i'm i'm really glad that dave is writing the whole series it sounds like um and just after seeing um her introduction in the mandalorian you know getting to see more of that and just explore more jedi and force stuff is going to be really cool um and then of course i mean we haven't even talked a whole lot about the rangers of the new republic but um i mean seeing more stuff just i mean getting more story about the new republic itself during this time period um and i'm sure maybe we'll even see a little bit more of like the core worlds and not just the stuff going on in the outer rim but getting to know sort of more of the inner workings of that again this is the stuff that i feel like the sequel trilogy needs like that world building and um just kind of fleshing out like the transition between the rebellion and the empire and like now having the new republic and this imperial remnant and all that kind of stuff so um and like i said we've already gotten a few characters in the mandalorian that i'm sure uh could fit right in with this series as well so looking forward to see what they do with that um and then of course we're getting uh the lando series like we said which is also is listed as uh an event series um interestingly enough they didn't confirm whether donald glover is returning as lando or not um just that uh justin simeon who's the creator of the series dear white people um and apparently is also a huge star wars fan he's going to be developing the show um and that's all the info we got on that but i think this is another one that we had heard rumored a while ago um but obviously got official confirmation on that now that should be pretty cool especially since this is also a limited series it'll be interesting to see if this ties in with solo at all or if it's just kind of a a separate lando story because another series that i was hoping for um that we didn't get announced here is one you know potentially focusing on like kira and maul and crimson dawn um so it'd be interesting to see if lando has any connections with those type of characters or like i said any other uh, like characters or storylines from solo but it's always fun seeing lando again so this is not like top of my list of ones that i'm most excited about but definitely looking forward to it and i think it would be kind of cool if they do something similar to the old uh, young indiana jones chronicle series where you kind of have an older lando played by billy d williams start off the episode kind of reminisce about an adventure that he had and then it transitions to donald glover donald glover's uh, lando and just seeing the different adventures and stories that he's telling and then kind of have a bookend for beginning and the ending with Billy D and the main thrust of the episode would be with Donald Glover. Just a way to incorporate both versions of the characters. I think a Lando series would be a cool way to utilize that type of storytelling. So, um, yeah, it should be really fun to see. And who knows, um, maybe we will get a special appearance by Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. And they could cross paths in the final episode or something like that, just or have a small tease for a potential future limited series with Han and Chewie, or maybe the Crimson Dawn stuff that you were hinting at. So maybe this is kind of the first test, I guess, to continue on more characters that we saw in Solo and maybe get more later on the line that are limited series. But yeah, this one should be pretty cool. And who knows, we could get even some mythology building here if the Lando limited comic series was any indication by Charles Soule and what kind of how that dived into some Sith history. So don't count out the Lando series to just be a fun adventure series and not have any lore or mythology building scenarios as well too, because Lando has dealt with that in the past as well. So, um, okay. I know you guys have told me that that Lando series was good and that I should read it, but nobody mentioned Sith mythology. Shoot. I'm going to go get that right now. Wait, wait, are you freaking kidding me? We've we've told you this. No, <laughs> that is the first time no, I've ever heard no, that. Kyle, no, you just haven't been paying attention, homie. I <laughs> first of all, we had to have 
because freaking Lord Mammon makes his first appearance in the Lando series. I don't remember anybody mentioning that. Tim, come on. <laughs> what, what are we? What are, what, I, 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 I'm speechless here. I'm just. Yeah, are you guys done? Can I speak my Lando piece? Yep. <laughs> I, I'm really weirded out by this. Not because I don't want it. It feels like the Lando series could be a lot of different things, and it makes me kind of nervous. Because, for one, I love Lando. Okay? Two, I, I'm going to say something kind of controversial and I don't want people to get mad at me, but I know I'm in good, I'm in good company, and I know one's going to get mad at me. And I think I've already said this before, but if you haven't heard it, get ready, because I think this is a very unpopular thing. I think Donald Glover was a little overrated in that mm. movie. I, everyone talked... I, the other day, I listened to a podcast, like, whoa, Lando outshined Elden Ehrenreich, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Pfft. I was like, uh, no. Not even close. Like I, and this is someone who I thought that was going to be the case verbatim, no problem. Like before I watched the movie, and I and, and I know uh, Kyle, you're not a huge solo fan. Uh, or the movie that is. That being said, I, I just I don't know, man. Like I just don't see it. I just don't see Lando overshadowing Alden in that movie. I just don't. And maybe it's the material more than anything. I, I I don't think he was bad, but I don't think he was like this. Oh my god, I'm totally, you know, Donald Glover completely lost himself in Lando. I, I would say not even close. Um, it felt it felt very much not. I don't think it was the best thing in the world. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. This wasn't amazing. Like everyone, we all thought it was going to be. I, especially even me. I couldn't wait to see uh, Donald Glover as Lando. Which, by the way, I need to go see Solo again soon. Um, so, all that said, I just don't know how excited I am for this, but and what exactly it will be. Because I'll never forget, I think I said this on the show, uh, a friend of mine at work, uh, my old job, uh, we were talking, and she had only seen Rise of Skywalker. I don't think she even saw like Force Awakens or whatever. But she even said to me, she goes, Hey, are they hinting at like a like a Lando and his like daughter, that girl, like on a like your own like TV series or something? And she's not really a Star Wars fan. I'm like, whoa, that's so funny you say that. Why? She's like, they kind of like, it kind of makes it seem like that's what they're trying to set up. And I was like, yeah, that, that is kind of what I felt. I thought too, to be quite, I not thought exactly, obviously, but like a little bit, right? And I'm just kind of weirded out. Like, what the hell is this, exactly is this going to be? Like, is it going to have Donald Glover? Because let's be real, Billy D and Donald Glover are nowhere near that announcement. And I and I'm not saying that they're not going to be, especially Glover. I don't think you make this announcement unless you have Glover like pretty much secured. Yeah. Maybe not 100, percent but it's almost a done deal to where you you can announce it with all the stuff. That being said, maybe Donald Glover's like, I'm good, guys, and they go, you know what? Let's just cast another young, charismatic actor. And go from there, and they do it, and you're like, cool. I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of just. I want Lando. Lando is such a, a. There's so much potential with that character because you literally could write Lando in any situation, any situation, because of his personality. He could do anything. 
you can have a reason Lando to be in anything, and it would make sense. You wouldn't have to really explain much. Like Lando winds up in a nest full of Rancor kids. You can easily <laughs> write that in there, no problem. Be like Lando was, you know, swindling someone, and they got thrown, you know, whatever. I mean, there's it's so easy. I mean, Solo has a little bit of that. I think a lot of that, um, you know, a possibility too. But even Lando, even more, because Lando is just such a you know charismatic person. He's so like you know schmoozy that like. You can you can literally put him in anywhere, and I think there's a lot of story potential, uh, fun story potential with him. I just don't know if you can really secure Donald Glover and want to pay him a bunch, or you could maybe just get a different actor that can honestly. And this is why I bring up his not being super, not like you know over. I thought a little overrated, not bad, just a little overrated. You could probably find an actor who could do just as good a job as he does. Put Lando and say he's playing Lando, and you're good. So, because he's a legacy character. So, I'm in this really weird spot about it. And I got to be real with it, too. I didn't know who was involved in the story. I don't know who was that, um, that, that character or character, excuse me, that uh, creative person is by any, at all. And I, I, I obviously will, you know, will reserve judgment before I see the show and, or, you know, save that. But I got to be, I'll be remiss if I wouldn't say that I'm a little, I'm, I'm bummed that Charles Soule wouldn't get at least maybe some kind of like you know hey you should work you know, did a great job on you know star wars comics and high republic and you probably wrote maybe the best lando story ever uh you should come you know work on this lando series with us because you, you're a great you know got a great mind and you got a great voice for the character because he does charles soul i don't think writes i don't think anyone writes lando better than charles soul not even lord kasdan i'm just gonna say it right now charles soul that comic series, Kyle, that you haven't you know read yet, I'm saying right now is up there with some of the best Star Wars comics. Ironically, also written by Charles Soule. Um, so I love that Lando comic. That Lando comic is incredible. And again, reading the Empire Strikes Back or the post Empire Strikes Back comic series, Charles Soule uh, is just nailing Lando. I mean, like that. We read we uh, Tim. We read the comics and reviewed it for Saga Continues comics episode. And mm-hmm. we said that Charles Soule gets Lando. I think it. I think it would be really cool for them to offer Charles Soule some at least some kind of insight, creativeness, or maybe write a script for the Lando series because I think he deserves it. So, anyway, that's my thoughts on the Lando. Yeah, definitely, probably not in agree with me with you on Donald Glover because I loved his performance in Solo. I thought he was great. But I didn't even think about the possibility of Charles Soule. Obviously, he's not involved with it now. But I just think it, his baby is just the High Republic. Like, that's what he's mainly focused right now in that corner that's of the fair. Star Wars universe. So um, maybe not quite up to doing anything as far as TV shows or movies just yet. But we'll see how long the High Republic goes. But I just think that's kind of his baby right now that he's overseeing and just kind of where his attention is going to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I would kind of assume the same thing. Um, as far as Donald Glover with, with Lando, I, I agree with you a little bit, Paul, like I really enjoyed his performance in that movie, but again, people like, I, I wasn't super familiar with a lot of other, a lot of Donald Glover's other work coming into that movie, but I know people were super excited about him playing Lando and like, oh, he's going to be amazing. And then I went and saw it and was like, yeah, Lando was good, but like the guy that played Han was also good. And like. Chewie was good and Maul was in yeah. it. Like I liked the whole ensemble cast and Lando was just part of it. Same. But I, I didn't think that Lando was like the far and away standout, you know, breakout star. Agreed. So, yeah. Um, Agreed. 
But yeah, so again, I I think that'll be fun. Um, I I also agree with you, Tim. I think Charles Sewell should just stick with what he's doing for uh, High Republic right now. Um, Because I've heard some early great things about about those stories. So uh, we know he's writing the first novel. I don't know if he's doing any more with that, but... um, I don't know. I, I, I like on the one hand, I think it would be cool if he did get to write some Star Wars, you know, TV or films or anything like that. But at the same time, I also think like if he's doing a great job with the novels and comics, like and wants to just keep doing more great novels and comics, just let him keep doing that. Um, it's what he wants to do. I think that's a great point. And yeah. I, and I've said for a while, there's a couple people in the Star Wars, you know, not just you know in comics and books, but you know, Rick Famuyiwa. Who directed today's episode? I mean, things like that. Like, there's people out there. I think they need to give more, even more, to these these people because they've proven that you know, like, hey, I'm gonna bring the Bible into it for a second, but they, you know, there's a you know verse where it says, "He who could be trusted with few can be can be trusted with many," and that's what it kind of feels like with these Star Wars creatives, like a Charles Souls. Like, he's done a lot with what he's been given. Like, he's given us some of the best Star Wars, maybe in my opinion, storytelling. Uh, outside the films and TV series, maybe ever. So that's and that's my opinion. But yeah, I yeah. Anyway, just give Charles Soul give Charles Soul Soul more if he wants it. If he wants it. Yeah, that's fine with me. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to uh, the Cassian series, which we now know is officially titled Star Wars Andor. Uh, with a cool logo here where, like, the O in his name is replaced by, like, a, a rebel starbird-looking logo. Um, Not to be confused with Star Wars Endor. I was just going to say, has <laughs> anyone photoshopped the logo yet and replaced the A with an E? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but for this one, it says, Andor, a tense, nail-biting spy thriller created by Tony Gilroy, is set to arrive on Disney Plus in 2022. Uh, Diego Luna er, reprising the role of rebel spy Cassian Andor from Rogue One will be joined by a fantastic new cast that includes Stellan Skarsgård, Adria Arjona, Fiona Shaw, Denise Goff, Kyle Soller, and uh, Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. And production kicked off three weeks ago in London. So we got uh, a bunch of new cast members announced for that. And then they released a behind-the-scenes sizzle reel um, just of like some of the the costumes and props and sets that they're building and the actors talking about it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I think either in the video or maybe it was just in the, the presentation from Kathleen Kennedy, they did announce that it's going to be 12 episodes um, and, you know, no like actual footage or, or trailer yet or anything like that. But I think it's, it's looking pretty cool or at least sounding cool in its concept um, and just, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Diego Luna is excited to be back in Star Wars again. And in the video, he's talking about how it was really special to be in Rogue One, but it was kind of sad because it was a one off and they knew they weren't going to be coming back to it. And then sure enough, he gets a chance to uh, to come back here. Also, of course, this wasn't included in the release, but we know. Uh, from previous announcements that Alan Tudyk will be in the show as well as K2SO. Forgot to mention that. Um, and speaking of droids, sorry to say, but I hope we don't see L3 in in the Lando series. Um, that's a character that gets on my nerves. Stop it. Oh. Just stop it. I'm serious. He's part, he's part stop of the it. Now, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this could I be... I hate good things in Star Wars. Whatever. <laughs> I love good things in Star Wars. <laughs> Debatable. Like Last Jedi. Oh, here we go. Yeah, exactly. I like good things. I like good things in Star Wars. Like I said, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so in you know this this Cassian sizzle reel, they show some concept art, they show some behind the scenes shots. Um, I think it's going to be cool. I just you know I I love Rogue One. Obviously, I like the uh, sort of the connective tissue that they started building up in uh, like the final season of Rebels where we get like Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera and, and some stuff that kind of connects there. And so I hope we get more of that in this show. Um, obviously they announced uh, Mon Mothma will be back, but I think it would be really cool if we maybe get like cameos or, or smaller appearances, even from uh, like Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera or um, Jimmy Smith as Bail Organa, um, even maybe like Harrison Dula. Uh, like we That's don't even know. Yep. Yeah. We don't even know who some of these new uh new cast members are playing so maybe Hera could be in there I don't know um but it's gonna be cool to be going back to that Rebels and Empire time period um and you know having Cassian be the focus of this like tense spy thriller story I think is gonna be really fun yeah well one thing that actually stood out to me during the Sizzleril was just the scale and level of the production that is being built for this series because it doesn't seem like they're doing a lot of shooting in the volume like the mandalorian is you could probably see i think you saw a few shots where they were but a lot of sets being built that look bigger than things we've seen in the mandalorian it just seems it's going to be as far as using the more traditional sets and props a little more than what the mandalorian has and just how they're everyone that was talking in that scissor roll just how they're comparing it to a feature-length movie how they're really don't see it as any different than working on a feature-length film than how they're working on the Andor series. So that stood out to me a little bit, just how it doesn't seem like they're making use of the volume as much as the Mandalorian. And I'm sure other series will, but nonetheless, I'm sure it's still going to look amazing and have great production quality like the Mandalorian too. So nothing that has me concerned. I just found it curious that uh, that was the vibe I got from watching the sizzle reel, but yeah, I'm excited for it too. Like you said, Kyle, just the concept of it having it be a more spy thriller type series and just focusing on this aspect of the rebellion that um, was kind of new and to be explored in Rogue One as far as seeing some rebels who would do the dirty work to get the job done than what we're used to seeing on the good side. And I said that when we were reviewing Rogue One, that that was my one of my favorite aspects of the movie and how Cassian was my favorite character of the movie. So seeing more of that um, is going to be great. And yeah. 2022 was something that took me by surprise a little bit because knowing that this was the second series that was announced for Disney Plus was hoping we would get into 2021, but um, I'm sure it won't be that much longer of a wait. And the fact that it is 12 episodes, like I said earlier, that might play a factor into why it won't be ready in time for 2021. But um, nevertheless, it should be a lot of fun to see the series in this different aspect of the rebellion that we don't get too much of and i think another thing too like you were talking about the potential to see some familiar characters again uh, maybe from rogue one or like you said harrison dill i think there's a good chance we might see the live action debut of Hera here like we saw ahsoka in the mandalorian i think that could be really awesome because um i believe it was the rogue one visual guide uh, that referred to cassian being fulcrum at mm-hmm. one point oh so yeah maybe if we get this in the series, we see that aspect of his career in the rebellion and just getting that um, hint of as far as knowing what his backstory was. He said that line in Rogue One, how he's been in this fight since he was six years old. And again, going back to the visual guide, how he was actually on the side of the separatists. 
um, when the Clone Wars was going on. So just to get these different perspective and views from Cassian that you might not necessarily associate with uh, your protagonist in Star Wars when you're thinking about the rebellion. So all these different aspects about Cassian and his character just makes the series uh, to me fascinating and glad that he is one of the characters from Rogue One that they chose to focus on because uh, like I said, his backstory, I think there's a lot to go on from there to make a captivating story and a series like we're getting here with this one. I think Andor was a series that I was kind of like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm excited to watch this. And that I will say that the sizzle reel made me kind of appreciate a little bit more. I think the fact we're getting 12 episodes makes me feel like this is going to be a lot, of, a lot more of a tighter story and tell us a little bit of a darker side of the rebellion that mm-hmm. we already kind of hinted at, I think, with Rogue One. And I don't, and I don't want to say the whole like a darker side that like we need to see like the darker side of everything or whatever. I, I think that's played out. A more realistic side, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well said. I think that's even better. And I think that's what I'm really excited about. I think one of the things that we kind of heard about the series, and you kind of touched on, on a little bit too, Tim, was that is it a limited series? Is it an event series? We, it, we don't. It sounds like it's a, it's a one time kind of a thing. And if it is a one time kind of a thing. It would make sense why it's twelve episodes, and I think. Well, no, this one they didn't mention as a, a limited or event series, so this one I, will probably be multiple seasons. You know, I'm—I'll be honest. I'd be surprised if it's more than one season, just because I think of just everything, everyone involved in in, in the fact that it's twelve episodes. It kind of comes across to me as like this could be like a one-time thing potentially. I could be wrong, and if it's great and, I, and, they, and they make more, sure. But I have a feeling that it's only going to be one and one season because one, Tony Gilroy. Do you guys remember how he was talking mega crap about yep. stuff? You know, back in the day, and now he's fronting freaking the Cassie and Andor series. It's just like so. It just shows you how money talks, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and the reason why I also say that, say that is because I don't know if Tony Gilroy is going to want to do more. Maybe they show him more money, he'll do it, but. You know, I, I have to kind of think that there's probably an end game because how much, again, like kind of like the Clone Wars, you have to kind of have an end in sight. And I also think it's kind well, of Well, I think the end in sight here is Rogue One. Well, right. But you but you have to have kind of like a, you know, you can't just keep going forever. And I don't think it would. It would. But I think there's a, there's a tight story to be told here in 12 episodes that, like you said, Tim, what I was trying to get at, is that you can tell a really a, a more realistic side of the rebellion that we haven't seen, and also start bringing different aspects of the trilogies and the Disney era and uh, with the original trilogy and all that stuff, and start really building those worlds and that mythology, you know, that mythology, but the lore of Star Wars all together a lot more tighter. And I think that's going to be really fascinating because that's the one thing this Disney series, this Disney Plus series, can do uh, or in general, just all the series can do, much less Andor, is really give us an even more tight, tight-knit version and, and keep things a little bit tighter and planned and and just give us a little bit more of a connectivity with all these different things and how, again, I keep going back to the comic book analogy of this, this greater universe all being connected. And I think there's something really special they could be doing with that. And I think there's a lot of storyline possibilities of introducing those things. I think of Saw Gerrera, like you guys brought up, the fact that 
you know, what, why does, why do they need gin? Well, they need gin because not just because Saw Guerrero, you know, doesn't trust them, but maybe he had a run in with Cassian and he knows he sees Cassian, they don't want to try to blow him away, you know, or something like that. We don't know the whole story. Um, because I want to say, uh, remember the only time that Cassian and, and Saw Guerrero meet in Rogue One is they see each other and they both go for their weapons. And so, uh, it would make sense that they don't like each other and maybe that's why they he, you know cassian knows he needs gin so and you could have a story explaining why those two are not don't trust each other don't like each other and it could be a one-off episode and it kind of ties in more to the fact of besides rebels does even more reason why the rebellion doesn't trust Sagarera. so there's a, there's so many different and that's one aspect there's so many different aspects you can incorporate of the rebellion and the empire and rebels and all that stuff through Cassie and Andor. So I wasn't really excited about the series, but after watching that, that, uh, that teaser, I got a lot more excited. I mean, that's that because it's Star Wars. But like you said, Tim, there's a, there's a scale in this series that I was not expecting that they showed. And I'm extremely excited about it now. Yeah, definitely. I think for me too, like just the scale of the the sets and everything was surprising too. But see, here's another thing: just the fact that they're describing this as like a spy thriller, um, and you're talking about Paul, how you think it could just be like a, a tight, short, like twelve episode season and be a, a one and done thing. But I think this could be a very different type of show from The Mandalorian, where it's like very like mission of the week we're hopping between different planets and stuff cassian could be something where you know again if you're getting into the real nitty-gritty stuff of the rebellion and he's having to go on like undercover missions or whatever like you could have a a you know a mission that he sets out on in the first episode and that could take the entire season like he could spend an entire season trying to uh find intel on one specific imperial project or or find uh, Imperial that's intel true. that's yeah. going to help the rebels win one battle, and there's going to be lots of different twists and turns and contacts that he has to meet and little skirmishes that he gets into that could take multiple episodes. And so you could have multiple seasons where each season is one mission that's drawn out drawn out over several episodes. So I think it's uh, I think it's going to be something a lot different from the Mandalorian, and it's going to be cool to see what kind of stories they can tell with that. Um, and then, so moving on from, uh, the Andor series, we've got the Acolyte, which is the new series from, uh, Leslie, he yeah, Leslie Headland, uh, who, um, you know, created the Russian Doll series, and we had heard that she was going to be doing, uh, some sort of, like, female-led action series that was going to be set in a new era, like, some new part of the timeline that hasn't been explored before, which we now know is the High Republic, um, and this just says, I'll, I'll just read the uh, the little blurb here from the uh, press release. It says, Leslie Headland, Emmy Award-nominated creator of the mind-bending series Russian Doll, brings a new Star Wars series to Disney Plus with The Acolyte. The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So this sounds really cool. I mean, we still don't even know that much about the High Republic era. As far as just what's that, what that's going to entail and who all the characters are going to be and stuff. And so, like, 
the it's but it's really interesting that the High Republic stuff is just about to kick off next month with all the novels and stuff, and yet we're already getting a TV series that's set in the final days of the High Republic. Um, but we know that the High Republic is like the Jedi and the Republic at the height of their power, like before things start to be like corrupted and fall apart and before the Sith start to rise to power and stuff like that. So you wonder if like this, you know, it talks about the emerging dark side powers in the final days. Are we, are we going to be dealing with Sith Lords? Are these going to be Sith that are just like a couple generations before Palpatine and Plagueis and starting to put that whole, uh, plan into place? Um, so I don't know, like, obviously we don't have much to go on and don't know who the characters are going to be or anything like that, but I think this one at least has a lot of potential and sounds really interesting, so I'm excited for that one too. Alright, Tim, I'm, I apologize, I have butt in this. This is this is the one that I've been waiting for. Go for it. Yeah, I know, this one has you pretty darn excited. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I want to say, like, people, some guy, you know, I don't want to call you out, but I'm going to, because I thought it was really weird. Uh, he, he came to me and said, "Yeah, this is that female series, female-led series, though." And I'm like, "And like, what? What? What's the problem? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I, you know." And the reason why everyone making a big deal of it is because of Lucasfilm said that you know she was brought on to bring a female-led series or whatever, and, and people don't, you know, whatever. You know, just, just stop. Just stop. They, they, they just wanted to make a, a show about with a female-led person on, on the show. That's it. It's, it. There's no agenda. It's just literally it's all it was. And you know what? Like, if this is what we're going to get, like, I'm so freaking pumped for this. I don't even care. And I, I actually, to be honest, this has got me kind of like the antagonist, like, poke rocker version of me. Uh, it makes me want to, like, hope and pray that she does something that would probably cause such a ruckus in Star Wars that I think is not a likelihood, but is a small chance of potentially happening. What if she made Plagueis a girl? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I, I say that I'm laughing because I'm like, <laughs> it's a, I'm. I mean, there's nothing in canon now that nothing where she can't do that. Yeah, there's nothing. Oh, no, no, no. Because Palpatine says in episode three, they like refers to Plagueis as him. Oh, you're right. That's true. Right. Yeah, That's the true. whole time he's telling I, right. that story, he says, you know, he could save others I from death, but not he, himself. Yeah, I, you know what? I forgot he does say he a bunch. But in all seriousness, all that aside, I always say it just because I'm like, you know what? Like people, are, I'm so excited for this, and someone said that to me. I'm like, come on. Just, just give it up. Anyway, Acolyte, this whole idea is something I've been waiting for a long time. And I think a lot of us um, old school Star Wars fans and, and, and Star Wars fans who are like me and Kyle here love the Jedi and we love the Sith. This is the stuff we've been waiting for. And when the High Republic was first announced, this is the first thing I thought of was like, uh, where's this story at? And now we're going to get it. And the best version, best thing of this, Kyle we're getting this in live action. Uh -huh. Like that makes me stoked. Like that, I would have thought we got a book or a comic or what, which I would have been very happy with. Animated series, I've been really excited. Over the moon, I'm like floored that uh, she's doing this. Go ahead. Oh, well, just, you know, again, this was something that when you get 10 series thrown at you all at once, I hadn't thought about a lot of these in a lot of depth 
and detail as far as sure. like what we might right, possibly right. see. So I'm just thinking the Acolyte, you know, High Republic, Dark Side Powers, mystery thriller sounds cool, right? Right, didn't right. give a whole lot more thought to it other than that because I was too busy watching the Bad Batch trailer and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but yeah. if we get <laughs> – and I'm assuming this will probably center on – and it, who knows if it might even be you know a, an all-female cast or just a female main character sure. or whatever. But it's yeah. probably going to focus on you know maybe – I would guess just from the title, The Acolyte, maybe like a young female Sith apprentice or something like that. Uh, um, agreed, yes. We could see this – unknown Sith apprentice going to places like Moraband or Malachor in live action. And that gets me really excited. Oh, exactly. Yes. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, throw an Exegol in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, that's... The... Even, that even has Cal excited. He even, he's well, even... well it's, it's, it's definitely below the other two on the list. <laughs> oh, stop. I mean, Exegol was one of the cool things about Rise of Skywalker, so... All right, all right. Thank you. I just wanted you to hear that. You know I'm there for the Sith mythology. Come on. All right, all right, all right. All right, Tim, go ahead. No, I mean, that's the big draw for this series. I mean, it doesn't say... Sith at all in the press release, but emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic. I mean, come on, we could be seeing now. Is it officially said? Maybe I missed it. Like, kind of when the High Republic is considered over. Is it uh, like a hundred years before the Phantom Men is fifty? Because it's set two hundred years before. Am I right? Or is it four hundred? Yeah, it's it's about. I don't know if it's exactly 200, but yeah, it's the whole High Republic era is supposed to be like about 200 years uh, before the Phantom Menace. So we yeah. don't, yeah, we don't know at what point the that High Republic is considered over. Um, although to but, be fair, maybe the whole High Republic storyline is sort of the final days of the High Republic because you would think that like the whole you know thousand years about. of peace since the last time they thought the Sith went extinct. You, that whole era was probably considered the high Republic. So maybe, that's true. maybe all the stories that we're getting are all going to sort of be leading towards this. And this is all, you know, the, the conflict that sort of ends those glory days of the high Republic. But just those words, the final days of the high Republic and knowing that time period, it just makes me think, I mean, I don't think it's going to be when you talk about the rule of two with the Sith during this time period, we might not be that far off from Plagueis and Palpatine. And maybe we'll even see that. And or, well, if this main character, if the Alkalite is going to be the main character, um, maybe she will be someone who will be the predecessor to Plagueis and then Palpatine. I just feel like it's going to be pretty close to that lineage of Sith and the rule of two where we won't be too far off. From the master of Palpatine, and that's just cool in itself when you think about it. If we can get Plagueis in canon, whether we see him, we hear a name drop, but that would be great. And just knowing that Palpatine is not that far down the line as far as the next Sith and knowing what he's going to accomplish, that has some cool potential as well. Just learning more about that history of the Sith that led to Palpatine and his rise to power, which ultimately caused the fall of the Republic as we're in the final days of the High Republic in this series. So I think there could be some cool connective tissue in that regards as well. And it's just, or it could be something where the Alkalite could be considered this prodigy of the Force and someone with the dark side and 
they think this is going to be the one where this will be our time to make our presence known. And this is how we'll overthrow the Republic by this alkalite here. And maybe that obviously that won't come to fruition, but and we'll see the downfall of maybe how this wasn't the right time for the Sith to reveal themselves and to come into power. But all these different aspects of hopefully learning more about new Sith Lords, Sith history is just very exciting. So, and especially mm-hmm. to be exploring something in live action that's before the Phantom Menace. I mean, that's just really intriguing in itself. And it's going to be really cool to be in that time period in such unexplored territory, which obviously we're going to get more of now in the High Republic books and comics. But just speaking in the live action front, that's going to be pretty awesome to see, uh, to get to be in this time period for Star Wars. This is going to be really, really, really cool. The The potential that this series could do and I want to stress to everyone, and this is just my opinion, of course, my expertise opinion. I'm just I'm totally kidding. I'm not an expert <laughs> by any means. But in my opinion, I think if you want to see an old Republic TV series, you want more old Republic anything, you gotta support the High Republic a lot. You gotta I mean you I know you've already supported things, but but seriously. Disney needs to see that people we want as Star Wars fans will throw down and support these things like the High Republic because I think this is an important part of, of Star Wars is the history and the lore and, and the mythology. And, and I think that right now they just don't know where exactly the where exactly does that end? Where where is too far? And I think this is a great a great way to not get people upset and to have people um, just kind of you know, mainstream audiences in general. And again, not just for, for live action TV series, but just books and things like that. See what people's you know, temperature is at. And I think that the fact is, you know, these are things we all want to see. We want to see more Sith and Jedi. And I think that they're just taking the temperature right now. And I think if you want to support and you want to see more of the stuff, support the show. You know, I mean, maybe it won't be exactly what you want. Support it because you want to see more of things like it. I mean, I'll never forget as a comic book fan, and Tim can attest to this, you want to see more of these comic book movies. You might go see something you, uh, a couple times that you maybe normally wouldn't see just because you want to support the movie or whatever. I mean, things like that. Or, or you know what I'm trying to say here. You want to support these things. You want to see more things like it. Maybe not exactly like it, but, you know, whatever. My, yeah, and I, for, I think th- – first of all, yeah. I think that's that's a good point because I – like I was hoping for – and not necessarily expecting, but I was hoping that with all this stuff getting enough so we might get something Old Republic related either as a, a movie or a series or something. But then obviously that didn't happen and I thought about it and realized, you know what? The High Republic is about to start um, – obviously takes place 200 years before the movies and they're getting that getting into that with all the books and comics and stuff but now we know that there's going to be a live action series uh during that time period and we've also heard rumors about an animated series as well and so i think this is them first starting to dip their toes into like okay how far back you know how how far removed can we get from the skywalker saga and have people still be interested in the in the story so you know can we go back 200 years before and will people still be interested in that you know before they go back 4000 years or whatever but i also thought it was very interesting during this this uh investor presentation that kathleen kennedy again drew attention to the fact that like they're they're looking at creating 
Star Wars stories across this, you know, 25,000 year time span um, or saying something like, you know, the Star Wars universe is vast and, you know, has like it has 25,000 years of, of stories to draw on or something like that. She mentioned that number again. And remember, that was in that article, you know, a while ago where everybody was going, oh, you know, Disney doesn't know what they're doing because they're just now realizing that there's all these EU stories and that all this history and stuff. But I think maybe that was a way of her sort of hinting at the fact that maybe that's where we're going eventually um, or just kind of preparing people like, hey, we're not announcing it yet, but we might eventually be doing some stuff that's I think it's possible. way before. So I think I think, I think that was intentional that could- to drop that in there. No, I think so too. And I think that also is a kind of response because Marvel, um, there was a thing about with Marvel, when you bought Marvel, they'd say they're, they're, they, Marvel has like a, a crap load of characters. Like it's like they said that they had an astronomical number of characters that you can, you know, sell or whatever, right? And I kind of feel that's where I think Kathleen Kennedy is trying to bank, you know, and sell to not sell Star Wars, but to kind of sell to Disney and say, listen to everyone else, like, Star Wars spans just, you know, kind of figuring out like, oh, yeah, I should say a time frame because of the old republic and all that stuff. So I think it's a kind of a cool way, actually, to be honest, of acknowledging of the, the vast richness of Star Wars in general. But you bring up a great point. What does that mean? So, yeah, I think there's so much story potential here uh, with the Acolyte that I'm just I'm excited, man. Like, I feel like this. This is going to make, I think, the High Republic that much more intriguing, makes the High Republic, I think, that much more marketable. And, yeah, I, I, I cannot wait for this. And I think that, again, I, I don't know what Russian Doll is. I've, if it's as, as suspense, you know, uh, suspenseful, then, 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 yeah, I think we're in, we're in for a treat. You know, I keep thinking about, like, you know, the great prequel series. Uh, and I've never seen this series before, even though I'm a huge Breaking Bad uh, fan. is Better Call Saul. I know everyone raves about that, that, that TV series so much. And it's, it's funny because everyone knows where that character is headed, but it's a hu- hugely popular show. And so there's so prequel series are not, like, no longer looked at as this, uh, you know, oh, no one, we know the character's going, doesn't matter. No, 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 no. It, it's a big deal. People want good stories. And I think that even though we know where they have to go, as long as that journey is interesting and fascinating, that's what matters the most. And then obviously we know that through the prequels, but like in the Clone Wars, but and Rebels even or whatever. But I think in something like this, they really add intrigue and mystery for a mainstream audience on live action with all the things we all want from the High Republic. It's really exciting, I think. And the fact they got this person that has like have a history of having a very intense kind of thing. I'm I think there's something to be said there. I think we're gonna get some really deep stuff here. And I think that there's again, I don't think throw out potential. I, I think it's a very, I think it's a very, very, very good chance we'll see Plagueis. I think it's a very good chance, very very good chance, or hints of Plagueis right there. I, either mm-hmm. one or the other. In fact, I I would put money on it now. I think Plagueis will make an appearance. But but either way, let's say. But who knows? I mean, like think of it this way: What if Plagueis and the Acolyte are? He's not the Acolyte, but what if he's like a supporting character, and the Acolyte and him are at odds? 
And, you know, and they're the ones you know, are fighting for the tenor versus or whoever it's going to be, uh, you know, like who's going to train them. And he ends up being a major character in that. Again, I think there's a lot of story potential here to, again, add to the lore of all of this. So mm-hmm. now again, I, I will say for me, I hope like I I'm not hoping that this at least that the story centers around Plagueis. I like I know it's tempting to be like oh it's only 200 years before and it's sort of the the reemergence of the Sith are we going to get Plagueis in here I think it maybe it would be cool like if the show goes several seasons maybe who whichever character starts as the acolyte becomes a Sith master by the end of the show and takes on their own apprentice and maybe that's Plagueis I'm into um, it I'm into it I'm into it but and 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 then if, if we do get Plagueis in the show at some point I'm all for that I would love to see a Plagueis story at some point but I don't think this is going to be Plagueis's story and so whether or not he eventually makes an appearance I'm not you know I mean it would be cool but I'm I'm not you know sort of trying to get too far ahead of myself there especially with like it really seems like they're trying to do new stuff and new characters with the High Republic and so I almost would prefer that this be like again at least to start just kind of be its own thing Obviously, I'm sure it'll have connections to some of the other Old Republic or uh, High Republic stories and material and stuff that's going to be coming out. But I'm not looking for it to immediately connect to the movies and other characters that we're familiar with. Um, But it could eventually get there or at least pave the way for maybe other Sith stories that could eventually focus on Plagueis or Tenebris or whoever else. So, um, but yeah, lots of interesting possibilities. Yeah. hopefully lots of cool Sith mythology and just the fact that it's, you know, described as a a mystery thriller, I think sounds really exciting. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, And then of course, I mean, we've been sitting here talking for two and a half hours about all these shows and haven't even gotten to the one that we actually saw a trailer for, which is the bad batch. Oh Um, yes. And this looks fantastic. Now we had talked about this before, Tim, I know you're really excited for this show and I was like, I mean, I'm I'm not super excited for the characters of the Bad Batch themselves, but I'm excited for a continuation of Clone Wars. But I was like, this is one of those things that maybe isn't the most exciting on paper, but I'm sure once we see a trailer for it, I'm going to be really hyped. And uh, sure enough, my prediction for myself was right. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear it. First of all, just in the first few shots, seeing that they haven't missed a beat since the end of Clone Wars, this literally just looks like Clone Wars Season 8. Like the yeah. <laughs> same animation style and quality as the final season that we just saw. Um, so just to have a new Star Wars animated series that looks this good is going to be awesome. But then just seeing the Bad Batch in action again, seeing uh, some familiar characters in there like Fennec Shand from The Mandalorian and that seeing Tarkin cool. again uh, is really cool. But also basically confirming what we had kind of all speculated and said that we really wanted to see in this series was that um, it seems like it really is going to focus a lot on the transition, like the transitional period from the Republic to the Empire and seeing what life is like for clone troopers making that transition and, and what's going to happen to them in the early days of the Empire. Because we clearly see, you know, like, you see the Bad Batch on Camino. Looks like they're maybe training some clones. We see a whole bunch of clones lined up watching a hologram of Palpatine declaring that the Republic is now the Empire. We see the Bad Batch uh, 
looking like they're in a shootout with some clones. I don't know if you ever see them like in the same shot, but it's certainly at least edited to make it look like they're fighting yeah. clone troopers. Um, and of course, we know like it's this the whole premise of the show is described as them going on mercenary missions and stuff. So I don't think they're going to stick as part of the Empire anyway. Like we kind of already assumed that. Um, but it's going to be really cool having these these individual like free thinking kind of renegade guys that like never really fit in anyways um and now having them be the only ones to be like whoa like all these brothers that we were fighting along for the good of the republic are now these like stormtrooper drones you know defending the empire like no we're not going along with this so i think it's gonna be really cool just to see again that transitional period to get in the minds of the clones looks like again just there's gonna be some fantastic an uh, action and animation and everything um also some really interesting locations and some familiar ones as well it looks like uh we see zygeria again in that trailer and they're going to get yeah. going up against some of those guys um and some planets, uh, th like there was one that uh, reminded me a lot of Bracca from Jedi Fallen Order, where you've just got wreckage of, of old Republic ships and stuff like that from the war. Um, so, gosh, and there's even one shot where they're like, and I'm I'm not looking at this right now, I'm just kind of going off from memory and like what shots stuck out, stuck out to me, but there's one where they're like, uh, they're like fighting in this battle, but they're like on foot in this like shallow river and there's like trees and stuff in the background. And again, just visually fantastic, like even some more realistic looking landscapes than we'd ever seen in Clone Wars. Um, so I'm super excited for this. And then I love how at the end of the trailer, it actually has the Clone Wars logo and then it kind of burns away to reveal the Bad Batch underneath. <laughs> cool touch. It was just, yeah. And again, just really solidifying that this is just basically a continuation of Clone Wars. It's like we finally got the conclusion to that show, and then they were like, hey, you know what? I think there's still more story to tell here. Um, and to see, like, okay, the Clone Wars are over, but what happens next? And what happens to these clone characters as they transition into the Empire? So I think it's going to be a really interesting story to to dive into, and uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun and looks fantastic. So I cannot wait till we get to see this. This trailer freaking blew me away i was not expecting to be blown away as much as i was and i was pretty darn excited for the show already and as i said before i kind of felt like i was the only one who was excited but man this trailer justified that excitement and even more so i mean just the idea of knowing that it looks as good as the clone wars did that's what i was really hoping for and man did it deliver on that it looks absolutely incredible and this was actually a nice surprise to get on this day because as i said after work and i was just looking at all the announcements i saw okay bad batch was part of that um announcement it was part of the that big image on the screen there with all the shows announced but when i got home i didn't it was like my brother had to tell me that hey there's a trailer for it too I'm like oh really they actually showed footage because i thought it was just all announcements and nothing shown but when I found out they actually showed footage from the Bad Batch, I immediately went to it. And man, it was just great. Not only just from a technical level, but like you said, Kyle, just from the story perspective of what we're going to get in this series of seeing the clones transition from the heroes of the Republic to, sad to say, villains of the Empire. And I just loved how it starts where we're seeing Kamino, and that's where they're going to be at. I have a feeling this might be where the series begins with them heading back uh, to Kamino, maybe that was an order for any clones, maybe that weren't 
uh, station was any Jedi, but with for Order 66, when that hit, maybe the rest who weren't with any Jedi were ordered to go back to Kamino for some reason so they can hear the declaration from Palpatine uh, declaring the Republic as an empire. And there's just something about that vigil that really you know, struck a chord with me, seeing that classic line from Revenge of the Sith, audio taken directly from Revenge of the Sith, because mm-hmm. uh, you're hearing Aaron McDermott say that, and just seeing it from the clone perspective. And it just was really crazy to see that, where they're hearing everything that they fought for be now turned into the Empire. And it's safe to assume that all these clone, these clone troopers now who are witnessing this have already had the inhibitor chips activated with Order 66. And obviously not all of them carried out Order 66 because there's probably more clones there than Jedi generals that they were serving under. But now that inhibitor chip being activated and just having them be servants of the Empire now and just causing a rift between them and the Bad Batch. Because as we speculated before, the Bad Batch either don't have the inhibitor chips in them because of being considered kind of mutations or a bad batch of clones that they don't have it or it doesn't operate the same. But regardless, I don't think they're going to be affected by that and just how it's probably going to alienate them even more so from their brothers than they already are. And just seeing how, like you said, it's edited this way in the trailer and we'll see if it actually plays out, but seeing clones against clones, it's going to be hard to take (laughs) in this series where they're going to have to be taking out some of their brothers here. I mean, we saw a little bit of that, in the final season, in the final two episodes of Clone Wars with Rex having to do that, Um, but maybe even more on a grand scale here and just seeing how the bad batch of clones are going to deal with seeing their brothers become servants of the Empire and them just being out on their own and maybe having, or not maybe, but it definitely looks like they're going to have to go against some of the clones in battle. So just from a story's perspective, it just has me super excited because, you know, what a big clone trooper fan I am. It's my second favorite aspect of the entire Star Wars saga after the Jedi and the Force, as we were talking about earlier. Next up for me is just the clone troopers and their story and the fact that it's continuing on in this series and looks to be in a very meaningful way. I just couldn't be any more happier and excited to see the series when it debuts from the way it looks and just from the story that it's going to tell. I it just Everything about it looks incredible to me. And you mentioned the cool aspects like some of the planets we're visiting, seeing some Zygerians again is going to be cool. I always like the design of those alien species from the Clone Wars. Seeing Fennec Shan in here is cool. Um, no it's like yeah. I, I don't know if she's going to be working with the Bad Batch or going up against them, but knowing that she encounters Boba Fett in the Mandalorian, kind of knowing that's not her first clone encounter now, <laughs> just that that's little true. wrinkle added to her character is pretty cool. So just everything about the series, I cannot wait for. It just looks incredible. I was blown away by it even after being hyped already just by the announcement i uh, i've been on record saying i'm not excited about this the show and part of it was assuming that the art or the animation style wasn't going to be up to par because it just there was no precedent to plus like it's you know they didn't go out right and say by the way this is going to be in the style of the Clone Wars, like literally, like the same animation style that kind of give us, re- you know, rest assured people, you know, they, they let us kind of in the, in the dark a little bit. And I don't know if that's purposeful or just kind of whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. But the, regardless, we're getting something that is, I'll be honest, something that I, blew me away. 
And I'll never forget uh, Dave, my, my good friend, a.k.a. Father's Figures on Instagram. Uh, I asked him because I hadn't seen the trailer yet because I was getting pellets from my house and doing a bunch of errands that night. I was, it was an insane night. And uh, he said, I go, is, it, is it in the vein? He was like, dude, it's like, it looks just as beautiful, if not better, than the last season of Clone Wars. I was like, what? And sure enough, and I trusted him. I mean, I did not, but I was like, couldn't believe what he told me. And when I saw it, I went, he's right. 100%. Like, that's exactly, it was blown away. Again, I was blown away. And I am just, I, I thought it was so cool. You said it, Kyle, that the thing burns, the Clone Wars logo, logo burns off. And it's a bad batch. It's literally the sequel series to the Clone Wars. Not Rebels. It's It's the bad batch. And I gotta, I gotta say again, we want more quality animation like this in Star Wars. Well, I told people back then, go watch the hell out of, you know, Siege of Mandalore. And I'm not saying the Bad Batch is a result of that, but because I think because that, that was obviously already in the, in the making at that point. Um, I'm assuming anyway. Um, but that being said, if you want more, then I think the reason why that Bad Batch is probably continuing on to this and maybe will be an ongoing series for a while is because of how good maybe this the Clone Wars is. And maybe, you know what? Maybe the Clone Wars being uh, successful on Netflix and Disney Plus is a big reason why we're, we're getting the Bad Batch at all. And, you know, Siege of Mandalore maybe is because of Disney Plus and, the you know, how well everything was. And then we have the report that the Ahsoka appearance all of a sudden made the Clone Wars uh, stuff go up in Disney Plus. I mean, in Rebels and you got to think about this, that this this series could potentially lead to other TV series that are in the same vein. And that makes me excited. And again, I go back to the High Republic. If we got a High Republic or an old, gasp, an old Republic uh, animation, <laughs> gasp, post-Rise of Skywalker uh, animation series like, that I've been you know, pounding the table for in this style, <laughs> Game over, man. And I think this, and in my opinion, animation is something that Lucasfilm and Star Wars and Disney for Star Wars should not ignore and should not just assume that one is good enough or whatever. There needs to be multiple animated series, not just films, animated series. And I think that the success of the Bad Batch will lead to potentially more. You know, again, lukewarm response will maybe, maybe not cool off the jets of anything, you know, other, you know, an additional series. But I, I think the Bad Batch is going to be a hugely successful series. Just looking at it on the surface, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. I'm already in. I like the Bad Batch episodes. So, man, I got a lot of work to do. I got to rewatch Bad Batch. I got to rewatch Solo. I got to, oh, my God, this is great. It's just, it's good to feel good about Star Wars again, man. Let me tell you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard not to feel good about Star Wars just with this season of The Mandalorian so far, and then to get, you know, smacked with all this stuff on top of it. We're going to be, uh, you know, we got Star Wars content to be excited about for a long time to come. Um, But anyway, yeah, so that's the Bad Batch. That's pretty much all the big stuff. And then there's, um, there's Star Wars Visions, which is... Uh, 
they describe this as an anthology collection that will bring 10 fantastic visions from several of the leading Japanese anime studios offering a fresh, diverse cultural perspective to Star Wars. So that sounds pretty cool. I don't know about you guys. For me, I'm not typically a huge fan of anime, but I'm always down for like, you know, just a, a sort of different take on Star Wars. And I'm sure like it doesn't... um I'm trying to read through here. It, well, the first part of this is says, presenting all new creative takes on a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Visions will be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. So I think this may be not necessarily like new canon stories, like introducing us to new characters and stuff, but maybe just like a new artistic take on like stories or characters that we're already familiar with. Like Galaxy with. of Heroes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, although when yeah, it says okay. short films, I'm assuming like probably 10 to 20 minutes as opposed to like those little YouTube clips, but I'm, um, in. I'm into that. I'm, yeah. yeah, I, that and, and I am too. And so, yeah. And it's nice when they do stuff like this, because obviously it's not going to be for everybody. Like some people just don't like anime or whatever, or some people may not like these particular takes on the stories, but it's not like it's going to change anything. You know what I mean? It's not like this is going to rewrite the canon or whatever. It's just going to be a, a new sort of artistic retelling of probably some stuff that we're already familiar with. Um, I know like my sister's a huge anime fan and she's really excited about this and I'm intrigued by it. And, you know, I'm sure like if nothing else, I'm sure there's going to be some beautiful and unique animation that we haven't seen before in star Wars. So I'm looking forward to it. I think that'll be pretty cool. I think this is something that I'm, I think a couple of years ago I would be indifferent about, but I, and I'm admittedly not an anime fan, but that being said, I've been getting into more manga lately. And, um, I, and to be honest, star Wars is a big reason why I've been more open to it. I have actually read the lost stars first volume of the manga series. And I, I love the Lost Stars book, and let me tell you, this manga series is, I think, even better than the, the novel. I haven't read the whole thing because I've been busy, and you know, I've already read it. But I've been want—I've actually been waiting to sit down at a coffee shop when they eventually reopen. So I've been waiting a long time to sit down and read it because it's a pretty, pretty manga is pretty fast read, even faster than a normal comic book. That being said, the storytelling is incredible. The artists and their ideas are just. And what they, you know, are adapting from these stories are, are just so good that I think anime. I'm not saying uh, anime itself is not really my thing, but that being said, I, I really like Galaxy of Heroes. So a combination of the two, I'm like, you know, I read more manga, I like more manga, and I like Galaxy Heroes Heroes a lot. If they gave me like a retelling, let's say, of Obi Wan Kenobi or you know, or whatever, or something like that. I'd be down with that. Or yeah. give or, me or, a uh, Galaxy of Adventures. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Galaxy. Yeah, of that's Adventures. the animated one. Galaxy of Heroes is the mobile game that I'm currently playing while we're talking about this. Oh my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that being said, yeah, there's. I'm excited to see what kind of potential this could lead to. I, I think it's going to be, be more fun. I'm not excited necessarily, but I'm I'm looking forward to it in a sense where something different, and I'm hoping that it's not just like. Here's an artistic expression about C-3PO and C-3PO going through like, you know, uh, like acid trip for like 20 minutes. Like, I don't want <laughs> stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want like experimental anime interpretations. I want like canon stories through the eyes of these animated, these anime creators. If that makes any sense. I don't know. A C-3PO acid trip sounds pretty fun. 
Well, you can waste money on that. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, this sounds really cool. I mean, I just love anime as an art form, the art style for a lot of anime. I just love. Um, so now that we're going to get Star Wars in that style, I'm really excited about. The first thing I thought about when this was announced was um, back in 2008, when we got uh, the Gotham Knights animated movie, that was about six different shorts. That's right. In yeah, the anime yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are really cool, especially visually. Uh, uh, I said a lot of them, not all of them. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 there, I, I will say this. Um, and I, I, again, I, there were some good stories to that. I like the Deadshot one. That was the, the best one. Yeah. Yeah. The Deadshot one was great. Anyway, if we get. A Star Wars story like in that anime style, I mean, it's going to be incredible because both from the story standpoint and visually in the animation quality, the Deadshot one was the best one from Batman. Uh, the first one where it's those three kids telling those different stories, uh, probably the worst one. That, <laughs> so. And that was when they started off with. TV. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't no, even yeah. watch that, by the way. Yeah, it, I, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. All right, I'll rewatch it soon. But yeah, if we get something like that for Star Wars, I mean, it's going to be awesome. And But the one thing I'm kind of hoping that I disagree with you guys a little bit is I'm hoping it's original stories that are in the main canon. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Yes, yes, yes. Because I think telling or having a short story about the early, early days of the Jedi, I think would be tailor-made for an anime-style telling of that story. Some that's really ancient you can do stuff where not necessarily still the origins of the Jedi, because I think that's a story that should be told on a bigger scale. But in the early days of the Jedi, in an anime style where maybe they don't even have lightsabers just yet, but you kind of get in that um, samurai master student training that has that anime or Japanese ancient culture history and feel to it, I think would be really cool to get in this series. So the potential of what we can get here is pretty cool. So who knows? Maybe it would be a mix of getting some brand new stories or retellings or different versions, certain point of view maybe, <laughs> of stories we already know about. So that's the thing. If they're going to do kind of like a what-if scenario, it would probably be called a certain point of view. <laughs> would probably be a better title than Visions. So hopefully that means we're going to get new stories in the canon, but just told in a totally different way that's unique to Star Wars with the anime style. So yeah, I'm excited for this one. So um, hopefully this is another animated series that's not too far off. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the last one is called the droid story. Um, and like I said, this one uh, is described as a team up between Lucasfilm animation and industrial light and magic. Um, this is to develop a special star Wars adventure for Disney plus a droid story. This epic journey will introduce us to a new hero guided by legendary duo R2D2 and C3PO. Um, so I'm, I mean, just from that description, like my mind jumps to maybe something more aimed at kids. Um, yeah. but at the same time, the fact that it's a nothing wrong with that, but no, 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 nope. nothing wrong with that at all. But at the same time, like the fact that it's a collaboration between, uh, Lucasfilm Animation and ILM makes me wonder, like, what is, like, what's the scope what's of this going to be? Game? What's the visual style? Yeah, is this going to be something really visually unique? Is it going to be, like, really realistic mm -hmm. animation? Or is it just going to be, um, like, a blending of, of animation and live action or something like that? I don't know. It's, again, we well, don't really have many details about it for now. This is And is this... 
is this a a live act or not live action? Sorry, is is this a uh, Disney Plus series or is this a, a theatrical? Like, what exactly is this? No, no. Thing? Well, it says a special Star Wars adventure for Disney Plus. It doesn't oh, say if it's like you know a, an ongoing series or a limited series or a special or something like that. Um, in fact, I seem to remember. I'll have to go back and watch Kathleen Kennedy's presentation again. I thought she maybe described this as a special. Or I at least kind of got the impression that this was maybe like a standalone or a one-off kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. It, it doesn't give a lot of details here in the press release. All we know is that animation and ILM will be involved somehow. And it's going to be some kind of new story with uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, so I'm sure that'll be fun. Um, that's you know probably not one that's... Uh, at the top of my list as far as ones that I'm most excited about. But I think I'm, I'm stoked about it though. I love C3PO Yeah, in R2D2. You guys all know that. Yeah. But, and, and I think that's, what's cool about getting so many of these stories announced all at once. Yeah. Agreed. It's like, I think it kind of, at least for me, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it like, it's on the one hand, it's overwhelming and it's hard to wrap your mind around like thinking of, a time three years from now when all this stuff is going to be available to watch on Disney plus, but it almost takes a little bit of the pressure off because you think of like how hyped we get for every episode of the Mandalorian. And it's like, I'm not going to be that excited for every single one of those shows, but that's okay. Like, you know, and I might really like the acolyte and not be into Lando as much. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to watch all of these at some point. I mean, heck, who am I kidding? I'm going to watch them all the day they come out at Star Wars. But, um, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is there's going to be something for everybody. And there are going to be some people who love all of it. There are going to be some people who love some of it. Um, but I really hope that by giving us, like, this much of a broad spectrum of content that, you know, again, like I, I think when people get into these really intense debates over last Jedi or rise of Skywalker or whatever, like obviously you get some, some trolls on the internet that are just being mean and nasty just for the sake of it. But like you, for example, Paul, you really don't like the last Jedi and it's not because you like just trying to be mean and nasty about it. Well, sometimes, you know, when you, you throw your, your jabs <laughs> you, in there. You. But, you know, when you're sitting there in the theater, like, it's a big deal. Like, and you want to love it, right? And then when it doesn't live up to your expectations, exactly. it's hugely disappointing. And that's how I feel about Rise of Skywalker. When there's ten different series on all at once, and one mm. of them is not your cup of tea... Like, I'm not going to go online and argue about it with somebody because I'm just going to go and turn on the next one that I do like. Yeah, there's, for the record, I and it is, uh, so many people disagree, like people I'm close to, like you and Chris and, and Justin, all say, no, you hate this movie. I do not hate The Last Jedi. I hate elements of The Last Jedi. Um, the, thing, the thing you bring up, and I've brought up before as well, is saying thing about The Rise of Sky, or Rise of Skywalker, for the sequel trilogy in general, is that you know for years or for a long time the Skywalker saga was Star Wars? That's what Star Wars was, and that's why I think it, I always want to emphasize the Skywalker saga is its own thing, right? Because like, and, and I, I th and this is what I was thinking about while we're getting all these announcements, is that I wonder once these and once we've kind of lived and I, and I told you this before too, guys. I think specifically Tim, we've talked about it all, you know, just privately me and him. Um, 
once we get more of this stuff, like let's say not three years, but five years down the road, you got to wonder if maybe the sequel trilogy won't be looked at as this like vile thing. I'm not saying vile now, but you know, maybe it'll be accepted a little bit more just because it won't be the, the expectations and all that stuff. There'll be so much more material out there that people won't have this huge, like, uh, expectations built on it and they'll go back and revisit it and go you know that wasn't that bad or, or whatever right mm-hmm. because well, I think not, I- o- not only that but I think series like the Mandalorian and the Rangers of the High Republic are going to fill in a lot of gaps and and backstory no, and I, world no, building that right. people thought were missing in those movies that are going to enhance it well, I, and, and, but I'm not I'm assuming that they don't do much okay I'm just saying at the, at the, at the most basic level i think the fact that you have more content because here's what i think for me included and i think me and every star wars fan did this in the sequel trilogy and i think it's fair that we did it but it's but we put our expectations on it and what we wanted to have happen like we always do but the problem was is that i think like like people wanted ray rando and ray nobody or whatever right and I always said, well, it doesn't make sense with the, with the saga because Skywalker saga. And I was like, no, it's blah, blah, blah. you know, it went back and forth. I wonder if people's perceptions would be different if we got the sequel trilogy, but where we got all these brand new unknown characters that are completely unrelated to the Skywalker saga. Because I talked about that at one point in the future, the Skywalker saga will just be a blip in the grand spectrum of Star Wars storytelling. But for, for for now, it's still the predominant predominant thing. And if you would have done a story similar to what the Last Jedi or Last Jedi, the sequel trilogy was now with all three films, maybe people wouldn't hate it as much because they have so much more else to choose from. And you know, I, I I've been saying that for a while now. Like the, the, that's why Star Wars television is such a big deal, and that you don't if you don't like an episode, you can just move on to the next one or whatever, right? So I just got to think that like with, with Star Wars moving forward past the Skywalker saga, though Skywalker saga will definitely be the definitive or it will be the, uh, the, the, biggest, the biggest blip, I'd say, for a while or the, the most meaningful story or most powerful uh, kind of all-encompassing galaxy-changing story is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Uh, besides that, you know, people might look at it a lot, a lot differently, and maybe they accept the fact that the, the Skywalker saga is a lot more inclusive, or excuse me, a lot more exclusive because of the of what it's about, instead of like Star Wars has to do this because it's got to have my expectations on it and my included, right? I'm talking about everybody's, and the fact we're getting all these different TV series, I wonder if that would change, and and that just would, but will change people's perspective of the sequel trilogy. As, as we get all these new TV series. And like you said too, Kyle, develop and I think even make the sequel series uh, better. Which I think, I think honestly, in my opinion, all that will happen. And I, I long for the day that we all can say, I may not love every decision in The Last Jedi. I may not love every decision in The Rise of Skywalker. But I actually accept the sequel trilogy for what it does now because of X, Y, Z or whatever. And I really hope that that day comes. And I think it will come. It may be a while. But I think right now, I think with this week's announcements, it's it's the 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 start of that journey has begun. And I 
I think the prequels is a perfect example of that because we're kind of seeing what you're talking about potentially for the sequels is happening right now for the prequels and just the appreciation I think is now mm-hmm. looked at those movies and that just might be the story of Star Wars <laughs> where when these big movies come out especially in the Skywalker saga they're mixed they're met with mixed reactions and some some just hated but then eventually 10 years but whether it's nostalgia or you just get gain more appreciation from them for ex- the stories expanding um they are kind of looked on more fondly and i totally agree with you that I, i'm expecting that to happen uh for the sequel trilogy as well 10 years or even 20 years from now at the latest maybe but i think that will happen and it's just all going to be something that as you said with all these different stories and tv shows and movies um it's just good i think going to enhance everything about star Wars. that's what i love about getting new movies and stories and i've said this before too but when they're at their best it just makes you look at the stories that came before in a new light and just get new meaning out of them it just enhances everything that you love about star wars and why it's just such a great saga and story uh, in general when you look at it as a whole and the more stories we get for the most part uh, most of them usually uh, the ones that are great and stand out just add to that overall enjoyment just for the Star Wars as a whole. And I'm pretty confident that a lot of these new series that got announced are going to do that as well. And one thing I'll say on the a droid story, one thing I'm hoping for, you were poking fun at it earlier, Kyle, but the return of D-Squad. Let's get a cameo or an appearance by WAG, Gascon, some of those droids in this one. Now, yeah. No, and I didn't, and I want to say for the record for this really, really quick, I don't have much to say. I love droids, and I think the only thing that I think that really, really actually has me intrigued, other than having 3P and R2, uh, because I love those characters, and it it's also sounds reminiscent of the original droids cartoon series. Uh, yeah, that's Tim, what I thought too. Which, again, is fun because me and Tim, for Star Wars Day, we watched like a bunch of those episodes that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I love our I love the new tradition. I think we have now of Star Wars deep cuts, like on Star Wars Day, like this doing rant. Not not, not talking about watching the holiday special. I'll never watch that crap. Um, but like actually, like just fun stuff like that, like watching Ewok movies or droids or whatever. It's just fun stuff like that. But that's what kind of rem- it gets me kind of reminiscent of, and it's kind of that's kind of fun. But the fact that it's anim- Lucas Animation and and ILM together. That's an intriguing. I almost feel like this is a backdoor, like, hey, we're like Pixar kind of thing. Mm. Um, just not like for Star Wars, but for all kinds of different uh, yeah. story ideas. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, it could be. Is that is that it? That it? Have we have we? Is that everything? That is everything. Um, Unless you want to go into some Willow uh, speculation. (laughs) All right, how much time you guys got? I got another hour. Let's go. Uh, I (laughs) most certainly do not. Um, I I got four hours sleep. There's no way I could go another hour. Yeah, no. Well, I'm an hour ahead of you guys, too. It is past my bedtime. But, um, yeah, no, of course, we had to get on and, and, you know, jump on here and record and talk about all this new Star Wars stuff that just got recorded or announced. See, I can't even talk. I don't know what time it is anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, there's a lot to be excited about. As we say in our intro, you know, the future is bright indeed. Um, so before we wrap up here, and I know, uh, Tim, I think we might have a couple comments uh, to read from Twitter and stuff like that too. But um, just in conclusion, uh 
if you guys had to pick one of these that you're most excited about, which one would it be? Ooh, um, it was. Ac- man. I know yours is Acolyte, Paul. Yep. <laughs> you made that pretty yep. clear, but done, done. Man, just talking about a lot of this stuff, it was hard for me to choose which one I'm most excited for. <laughs> I mean, Bad Batch. When you're talking about, I already know it. Yeah, I already know what it is, Tim. Come on. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as we talked about, just the announcement of getting Hugh McGregor back as Obi-Wan um, a year ago now, over a year ago, was exciting in itself. And one of my most anticipated series for Disney Plus, obviously, but learning what we learned yesterday was Hayden Christensen coming back and just the great conversation we had on this episode talking about the different story possibilities that can go with him encountering Darth Vader again and what that can mean for just adding more emotional weight to what we see in A New Hope and just their relationship in general um, from when they first met in The Phantom Menace to what we saw in episodes two and three and then in Clone Wars. It's just going to be incredible. So as amazing as The Bad Batch looks and and as far as on the animated side goes, that's definitely the most uh, anticipated one, obviously without question. But the fact that it's up there amongst all these other great announcements, I think is just a testament to how great The Bad Batch looks. But you really can't go wrong with Obi-Wan being your most anticipated because of what mm-hmm. all the stuff we talked about. So I'm going to go with Obi-Wan with Bad Batch being a close second. Yeah, and I think <sighs> Obi-Wan is definitely, like I said, the one that grew on me the most just as we were talking about it and came close to overtaking my number one. I think for me, it's still going to be Ahsoka. Um And like we said, you know, just even speculating about the possibility of like the world between worlds and just getting more insight into Jedi mythology and the Force and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I'm here for, which we're obviously going to get some of that with Obi-Wan as well. But also just seeing Ahsoka's journey continue, seeing more of that character in live action, uh, seeing a whole limited series written by Dave Filoni. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he directs at least maybe one or two of those episodes as well. Um, but gosh, just with how amazing her one episode in the Mandalorian was so far, um, I am, I'm really excited to see more of that. Um, so yeah, I would go with that as my number one with Obi-Wan being a close second, and then I'd probably put Bad Batch at number three. Um, and then the Acolyte would probably be my number four, because, you know, again, that's one that we just have the least information to go off of, except with it being set, you know, in the High Republic and mysterious dark side and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be really cool, too. So, um, but then again, well, and and I I think as we were ranking all those, we're probably just counting um, Disney Plus stuff, because nobody mentioned the, you know, the, the Rogue Squadron movie, which I think is also going to be really cool. Um See, we've already got too much good Star Wars stuff to pick from. <laughs> I know, right? But, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be an incredible next few years. I mean, as far as we know, it seems like uh, just Bad Batch and Mando Season 3 are probably going to be the only things we get in uh, 2021, along with all the High Republic stuff, obviously, and who knows if we'll maybe get a video game announcement or something like that. But, um, yeah, just as, as time goes by and more and more of these stories start coming out, um, it's just going to be like, I can't wait till we're, you know, five or 10 years from now and look back on this and see that like, this was just the beginning and we've got, 
a whole crazy amount of awesome new Star Wars stories. Um, and again, it's it's weird. Like it's it's almost hard to wrap your head around. And I know for some people, maybe it feels like they're doing too much or like because I remember having this feeling back when Disney first bought Lucasfilm and it was announced that we were going to get a Star Wars movie every year. I remember mm-hmm. when that seemed like a lot and kind of wondering like, oh, is it still going to feel special? And, is, you know, are, is each Star Wars movie coming out still going to feel like a big event or is one a year going to feel like too many? And now we've got, you know. 10 new Star Wars projects coming within probably the next three, four, five years, whatever it's going to be. Um, but like I said, I know for me at least, it's like not every, like when they're doing this many, not everyone has to be fantastic. Not everyone has to be like a huge deal or, you know, you, you have to absolutely love every single one of them. I think this is just going to be a scenario where there's going to be something in Star Wars for everybody. Star Wars is already like that. I mean, there's so many different stories and different characters to that appeal to different people for different reasons. And that's just going to continue to broaden and diversify and uh, just be the case even more so. But um, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. And I can't wait to see uh, just all this stuff and just get to experience all these great star Wars stories. So um, it's been a lot of fun talking about all of it and it's going to be even more fun getting to talk about, you know, all this stuff as we get closer to release dates and trailers Mm -hmm. and and get to finally see all these things come to life. What was great about this event too, because remember how we kind of always felt that we wish we would get announcements where we were knowing what the stories and the, projects were going to be instead of just finding out the creative talent, the director and the yeah. writer. Yeah. It was so great and refreshing to kind of have both in this one where we get the announcements of the directors of the writers, but we know what they're working on. And that was just so refreshing to get. And it just makes it that much more exciting and to be excited about the future star Wars projects of not just knowing who's working on them, but what they're working on more importantly. And that's what made yesterday just so much fun dissecting and diving into all the different announcements and then talking about and speculating it with you guys tonight. It just makes it so fun. And yeah, I mean, it's already hard now when you're in the mood to watch something for star Wars and trying to decide what to watch (laughs) when you got 11 live action movies, two seasons of a live action series and some animated series to go with it. I mean, once we get all these shows on Disney plus, I mean, the, the selection and, is going to be endless to decide what you want to watch. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it might just be the case you're spending more time trying to decide what to watch than you are watching (laughs) some of Star Wars. So that's a great problem to have. And it's just going to be amazing when when that collection of Star Wars content to watch on Disney Plus just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paul, did you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, It's a lot, man. And this is exciting, and you know, I this is only the next three years, and I think there's probably even more stuff. Even within three years, they're going, it's going to come out potentially that we don't even know about, and it's just insane. And you know, I we should be thankful that we're getting this because it's, yeah, I mean, we're there's something for everyone. I feel in this in this announcement, so. Stop complaining. <laughs> yeah, don't waste time complaining about the stuff you don't want. Just be excited for the stuff you are excited about. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. absolutely. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, before we wrap up and get out of here and go to sleep, because for me, it's almost 1230 in the morning. Um, Tim, you want to go ahead and read the uh, comments and stuff that we got from our uh, listeners on social media? Yeah. Now, I know I didn't put the normal call out that we're recording on social media today because our schedule was kind of up in the air as far as when we were going to record. But got a few responses on what uh, our followers are most excited about. And we didn't actually get responses. We got uh, GIF responses. So <laughs> no actual words. Those are the best so, kind of responses. That is true. True. Uh, so first off, uh, we got Paul J at JJ Farms 31 uh, sent a GIF, a GIF of Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith saying hello there. Jesse the Bizzle sent a gif of a few seconds of the Cassian Andor sizzle reel that we got. So he's more ex most excited about Andor. And then our friend Matt Cranky uh, sent a gif of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader dueling on the Death Star from A New Hope. So he is definitely most excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So, yeah, I mean, if you guys, after hearing this discussion, want to share more of of your thoughts on what you're most excited about with this avalanche of Star Wars <laughs> news and announcements for what's coming down the pike on Disney Plus for movies and series, uh, go ahead and let us know and we'll be happy to share uh, more of the stuff you're excited about from this announcement on a future episode. So, but yeah, I mean, there's just tons to be excited about. So can't go wrong with any answer really that you give. There's just that much great stuff on the horizon. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, thank you guys for, for chiming in with your comments and your gifts, and uh, glad to hear you're all just as excited about this stuff as we are. Um, gosh, we've done a heck of a lot of podcasting lately. We had a three-hour episode about The Mandalorian, then a four-hour episode, now this one's three hours, and then next week is going to be The Mandalorian season finale, and I'm sure that's going to be a long one, too. Um it's, it's an embarrassment of riches right now because, man, what a time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, oh, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, it's it's incredible. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around all this stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. As always, you guys can uh, check us out online. Follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com and send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com if you want to chime in with thoughts, questions, or comments that you want to have us uh, read here on the show. Um, or just, you know, send us gifts for Tim to describe next time. Um, <laughs> and of course, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, come on!